All right, folks, it is Thursday. You know what that means. Another episode of the Stewcast, part two of our two-part Kentucky Derby preview. We're in the home stretch, folks. We're almost there. Uh, great lineup today. I'll get to it in a moment. First off, thank you to everybody that listened to part one. Uh, a really great, great outpouring of support. Really nice words from across the industry. Yes, I do know and have a good relationship with some very well-known folks, and you're going to see them again in the future right here on the StuCast. Uh, hope you subscribe. Hope you follow on Twitter. Um, thank you for listening. Again, if you're new to this show, please check out older archives. There might be something you like in there. We span all sports trying to talk to a ton of different people. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to earn the listens of your ear. Uh, Let's get to today. Part two, Kentucky Derby preview. I already said that this, as well as part one, presented by our friends at Dreammaker Racing. And these guys are creme de la creme. They are phenomenal. They're good dudes. Always supported this show. Always supported me. Um, great friends. Thank you to Tom Gallo. Thank you, Andrew Calvano. Great dudes. Shout out to you guys. Go check them out. DreamMakerRacing.com. You'll hear from Tom later on in the show as well. Folks, today I said grade one lineup on, on Tuesday. I delivered grade one lineup today. This is like a Breeders' Cup lineup today. And we're going to start Tyler Hoffman, Swift Hitter, going over the Oaks Pick three, a little pick three action, but it's going to be very tight and a very concise ticket. So hopefully we can nail it for a big amount. Maybe build the bankroll a little bit. Um, going after that, Tyler and Matt Dinnerman also coming on. Matt, the voice of Golden Gate, you know him, you love him. He's coming on. He's going to help out. Uh, with some races. We've got Ed DeRosa coming on, Craig Milkowski, PTF, Peter Thomas Fornertel. He's he's a busy man within the money. So appreciate him uh, carving out a few moments. And then we end it Derby Chat with, I mean, he he's the first family of handicappers, Paul Matisse. It's phenomenal chat. I learned a lot. You're going to learn some stuff, too, because I haven't heard this anywhere else. There's some information in there you want to be paying attention to. And, uh, yeah, that's the lineup for today. Hope I deliver. Hope I earn your listens. Check back on previous shows. Like, rate, subscribe. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a nice review on on, on uh, the iTunes and the Google machines. And I will preview... Next week, because we're getting away from the ponies, we're going to head to the hardwood. Jim Root, three-man weave, talking. All the all the teams going up, teams going down. Good, bad coaching hires, the like, all in the college basketball world. And then followed up by head coach at Oakland University, Greg Campy. Going to be a really great show, a lot of knowledge. If you like college basketball, want to know what the hell's going on, this will get you primed for it. But that will drop next Tuesday. Right now, though, 
Derby Thursday. Let's cash some tickets. Shout out to D-Gen Nation. Shout out to In The Money. Shout out to all my guests, Paul, Craig, Ed, Matt. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening this week. Let's win some money. And now, the show. All right, we're going to kick things off, handicapping. Before we get to the Derby, we're going to go focus on the Oaks. Pick three, starting in race nine, ten, and the big one, the 11th. Uh, two friends, well, one friend uh, joining me and another guy who we'll get to that's joining. First off, the friend, he is part of D-Gen Nation. He's probably... I don't know, going to send out a tweet sometime in the next 12 to 18 hours that gets him banned for 12 hours. But he <laughs> is a phenomenal dude, great friend of the show. You know him, number one in your program, number one in your heart, Swift Hitter. What's up, fellas? How are you guys doing? Swift, yeah, I, I, it's great to have you on here. And uh, the other guy's Tyler Hoffman. All right. So, All right. so uh, he's gonna, one, one of these days, he's going to give me a good intro by accident. Just because right, he's out of good. material to roast me with. Well, uh, we'll we'll get this out of the way. Yeah, uh, your dad won a check this weekend. Congratulations <laughs> to your dad. Uh, great handicapping by him. Um, I'm sure you're going to bring it up 25 times. But, uh, yeah, congratulations to Alan Hoffman, a good man, great name. Um, it's just embarrassing that you asked me for an autograph after I won, Stu. Oh, you didn't have to do that. 7-1, buddy. All right, let's start race nine. We're going to go to the professional. We're going to go to Swift Tedder to lead us off in the eight bells. And this race, Swifty, uh, yes. it seems like a minefield. It's a minefield because there's a lot of speed signed on, but is the, the speed is, you know, with, with Rosario and with Dea out of the Austin's. Now, if you think there's going to be enough pressure, you think – I mean, Corrales is signed on, so you think he's gunning it. Look at the workouts. The workouts say everything this horse is going to go. So now, then it's going to come up to is Rosario going to push push the pressure with, you know, Calypso? And if that happens, it could set up for a closer. But the way the track's playing, the way everything is leaning, I mean, it's either day at the – you either single day at day out to the office or you take a stand against. I mean, that's my opinion this race. I've been studying this race for a while. I mean – I think this is a really good horse day out, out of the office and it looks like the workouts ready to fire a big one. So, I mean, it's tough coming outside that layoff, but I mean, it, it just looks like this horse is just much better than these and going to get the speed to dictate the race. Now it's going to depends on Rosario Rosario pressures. Okay. Then, then we got a race. If not, then the race should be over. And you know what? The four Jimmy Graham's going to go a little too. So this, this speed in here, so we're going to just see how this race plays out. But with Corrales, I know he's aggressive. He's always been very aggressive. And he's going to take it to the to the track. And the way the track played today, speed held. So hopefully the weather, you know, softens up the, you know, gets a little dirt going and, you know, we could get some closes into. But if not, this, the 10 looks like long gone. Tyler, do you share the same opinion? I, I share the insight that Swift gave, which is I think this race is loaded with speed. Um, I think that obviously Euphoric with Jimmy Graham's going to be going. Smith's going to try to go with Windfall to five. Calypso's going to be up there, though I'm guessing on the cutback is probably just a little bit off. I'm not expecting Calypso on the lead necessarily. Day of the office should be going. 
With yeah. that, I do think the pace gets softened up a little bit. I do think this is a tough spot for Dave the Office just because this is uh, her first race <laughs> and, uh, in about six months. For that reason, my top pick is actually the number nine horse, Little Tootsie, who I think is a dead cold sprinter. Uh, go back to her early race, her, you know, her main race there. That's the kind of trip I'm envisioning today. <laughs> Last time, just got a little bit tired, a little bit of a wide trip, finished up on the wrong lead, eight to one on the morning line. Uh, kind of hoping that one trips out. So I, I lean little tootsie over kind of everything else. Um, and I'm hoping that the, the pace melts down a little bit. I don't think that's a bad play. I mean, if you're going to take a shot against day at the office, you're going to just hope the speed breaks down in which there's, there's a ton of speed breaks on. And like you said, cutting back to the six for all, uh, seven for all is going to, you know, the cutbacks nice ran against the monster and travel column and Clary, uh, the horse that finished second, they're both in the Oaks. So, I mean, that horse figures too. Amos, you know, I'm not a, the greatest fan of Amos. And, but, you know, why not take a shot then? If you, you think there's a ton of speed in this race and you think someone's going to trip out, I think that that creates a value there. Let me ask you this, Swift. As a, yeah. as a handicapper, traditionally, do you like horses yeah. that are, when they're in these seven furlong, six and a half and seven furlong races that are turning back in distance or the ones that are stretching out from the five and a half and six? to the six and a half? It, it really depends. It really depends. In my opinion, like, like, they, I think they at the office, the, the 10 is going to run big because it's fresh off the layoff. If that horse was, if that horse was running a couple races and got two or three races, I wouldn't like a cutback. But if this horse is fresh, this horse is coming fresh off the layoff, I think, and the workouts are telling me this horse is ready to fire. So I think this horse is going to be ready to go no matter what. I mean, the cutback is just probably that they're, they're just doing the seven cutback right now to prime it up for another race. But this horse might be so much better than everybody else. I think that could win it wider, wider. So I could definitely see that. No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you asked a good question. It's so tough. Like, because I, the, the, some cutbacks scare me. Like, today, uh, what was it? Yesterday at, uh, what's the name? At, uh, what was that? Red Churchill. I left out the nine. I left out a horse that was, Obviously cutting back, but I thought the cutback was two. I thought it was six furlongs. It was a horse I left off, and it cost me to pick five later in the day. And I, I just thought it was too short. Six furlong cutback, cut six furlongs, and it was going a mile and a mile and sixteenth. And the horse had a perfect trip, and barely won. It's just like it's just one of those races. Like if your opinion's wrong, you know you're wrong. But I thought that horse should have been. Uh, caught at the wire, but you know. And, and did, did that horse have tactical speed when it was routed? Yeah, that, yeah, he showed tactical speed in the the the, uh, the route races, so he was right there. I mean, it just and you know what, you know, it's kind of stupid of me too. The horse was two for two at Churchill. It, I mean, he was killed in a will pace in a pick three. Everyone saw it but me, but just I just didn't like it, and I took a stand against him going six furlongs. So and he just barely held on. I thought the three. uh I had the three at six to one with Sias and the pick five would have paid like seven, eight grand with him. But the, and the nine was the favorite and just, you know, sometimes you're wrong and that's what happens. It's but all, yeah, I, I have no issue. 2020, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I have no issue with the, the cutback here. I mean, the horse ran huge at Saratoga and horse even showed that it could rate a little at Saratoga too, which is, you know, kind of good too in this kind of race. But I think that horse is going to the lead. I just don't know why, you know, you know, that paralysis, paralysis, Kill, he guns horses right out of the gate so mm -hmm. that that horse is going and the way the track played it's up to like you said it's going to be up to rosario and jimmy graham to to set the tone here it, rosario and wait, who's jimmy graham on a forward a forward yeah if they could say you know what we're not going to let this horse run away with this race 
we're going to take it to them. Then, you know, your horse is in play. I think the what's the name would be in play too. Oh, where is it? Uh, the, the, the three, super sensational. I think that horse could be in play with Johnny V and Cassie. That horse could trip out if he's on the inside. And then your nine could be floated a little wide and we'll, we'll take it from there. But if I, I, I'm going to single uh, in a pick three, I'm going to hammer, because I got my opinion, I'm hammering day. I, I'm going to basically day at the office and a hammer pick three, because I have a two. I basically got my pick three lined up where I'm hammering straight. Beautiful. And I, I got an idea about this pick three. We'll, we'll talk about it after we get to Go the ahead. races. Beautiful. Race 10. The Twin Spires Turf Sprint Stakes. Uh, Tyler, uh, Turf Sprints. Uh, I guess throw a dart at the wall and, and see if you hit something good. Where are you going here? This is a tough race, mostly because I don't believe in the speed. Uh, I think the number three Fia is cheap, even though he's uh, undefeated at this point. Uh, Johnny Unleashed with, with Cross is going to go from the rail. Though ironically, it's not mentioned in the form, but this horse is actually off a length slow last time and then kind of gunned his way through the field to get the lead in 21 and change. So I see both of them going out. I kind of go to the, to the middle runners. I go to Fast Boat, the eight, and the number nine, Diamond Ops. Um, Fast Boat, I kind of give as the, uh, the horse for the course and the, the best closer in the race. Probably figures to set a pretty good trip in here. I trust I ride to, to work that out. Diamond Ops, I've, I've always think, uh, he's a defending champ, but I've always thought that he's a better turf sprinter, ironically, and most of his races have been on the main track which I mean, he's done well for his career. Uh, but I see no reason why, why both of those wouldn't fire big shots in here. The only other price I, I was really interested in including was Gilden in the two horse. And it's nothing more than the Rispoli factor. Obviously, I'm biased being a West Coast handicapper. But I'm going to trust Rispoli to put this horse into the right position in this race. And if the pace does fall apart in here again, I think Rispoli is going to be fine. This one's going to be a crooked number on the board. So just somebody to, to include. But it's definitely a, a C-bet. Um, you know, in this race behind my A's of fast boat and diamond oaks. Swifty. What's up? I think I got my horse. I've been on this horse for a while. It's the Gulfstream Shipper Fire. I think that horse is probably the, one of the fastest turf sprinters in the country right now, outside Golden Pal, I think. And as I think Luis Saez on the inside, that horse is going right to the lead and control it. Dollar speed on the outside is Julian. You know, we all know Julian could fucking, like, fucking. Not not be aggressive. And Pratt, Pratt's going to probably sit, you know, the horse I'm worried about is the 10. The 10 would, you know, Peter Miller, I think could maybe wear down late if, you know, if the, the Gulfstream shipper comes in. But I think Fye is one of the best turf sprinters around. And if you watch the replays on some, the Belmont race and the, the even the Gulfstream race, they that horse is just not even moving, it looks like. And that horse hasn't really even been asked yet. So we're going to see this bottomed out. We're going to see how fast this horse truly is. There is some speed, and he's definitely stepping up in class. He's never faced, you know, these quality horses before. So we're going to really see how good this horse is. But I think he's one of the best turf sprinters around. So. I, would you agree, Swift? You think Fias, he's basically an even money bet in this spot. He either wires this field or he's nowhere. He's not somebody. Oh, yeah. He, he, he's going to be either wired a field, like you said, or he's going to finish tent and suck in air at the end of the top of the stretch. That's what I'm always worried about because these Gulfstream horses, you don't know how phony the, some of these numbers are, but this horse ran huge at Belmont. If you go watch that race at Belmont, that yeah, horse was that horse was breathing fire. And like that's the type of that was basically off a layoff, too. So if you think that kind of worked, like if you did that off that layoff, and then mm -hmm. you see this, I mean it's a little longer layoff, but I think this horse just breathes fire. And it, but if it's even money, I mean I would 
take a shot maybe against, but I think this is one of the best turf sprinters around. All right, let's head to the pent-ultimate leg here, the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, I'm using big words. Tyler doesn't understand them. It's that two-cent It's that two-cent <laughs> California education. He didn't get a good Jersey education. He didn't get a good Michigan education. He just – I feel bad for him. I blame yeah. his father. Um, <laughs> let's go Kentucky Oaks here. Uh, yes. Swifty, we've yes. talked with Andy Serling. We've talked with uh, okay. Mike Maloney this week, Matt Bernier. Everybody's kind of set on Mal- one of the big ones, travel column, yes. search, search results, Malathot. Uh, everybody's got their pick in this one. Yes. Is your pick coming from one of the big ones or you expanding your search? No, I, I mean, I got a personal interest. I'm, I've been come friends lately with uh, Jake Ballas, who's a part of past the champagne. I, I love this horse. I think this horse is a legit this that winner like it, but I think she's just running into too good of a horse in travel column. I think travel column. I'm not even joking when I say this, look at the six for a long workout. I mean, that's, Cox doing Baffert stuff. Six for a long workout, 112. I mean, the Cox people saying this horse has been working out like a freak, too. I mean, this horse, I'm not even joking. I think they might even run back after she wins the Oaks. They're going to run her right back into the creek this, to see how good she is. Like, And then we might even see her at the Travis later, hopefully. you know, That's how good I hope she gets tested. But this, I think she's a freak. I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big Flo fan. Flo could get a little cutesy at times. But I, I think this horse is just too good for these right now. And I just, I mean, I would love to see past the champagne for the people involved and the, the come friends with, but I, I think it's going to be a six, five exact. I think travel column is going to sit right, right second or like right off and just, just going to take off in the top of the stretch. And she's a big horse. She, she's going to love that, you know, third at Churchill. She already won on the surface. She's two for two on the surface. I see no issues with this horse. I mean, I think, I mean, I liked Malatot's last win, but past the champagne just moved a little too early. I mean, look at that morning line, too. I mean, how is Malatot five to two and past the champagne is 15 to one morning line? I mean, that doesn't make sense. If you watch that race, past the champagne basically had the race in the top of the stretch. She just got wore down. Just maybe a slight tick early by Javier. She got wore down. I respect Clary. I respect Ashmanson's horse, but I just, I can't. I, I mean, the problem is, travel column is just too good and i think the the pletcher horse i respect you know the connections you know i respect pletcher i just don't think that horse is going to sit outside and that horse is going to run uh a travel column down tyler you you go into the travel column or you're gonna look somewhere else basically uh, everything that swift just said is is 100 accurate and to provide a little bit more context to what he just talked about between Pass the Champagne, the number five, and number 10, Malathot. Pass the Champagne, if you like Malathot at all, you have to like Pass the Champagne. And the trip's even worse. Swift is underselling it. The start of the race, which isn't noted, says hit the gate. It didn't hit the gate. It hit the inside rival coming out, which wasn't a good thing anyway, and was kind of rank going into the first turn. Then from a, approaching the three-eighths pole to almost the quarter pole, Pass the Champagne is actually waiting for a scene to go. She was pushed by when she got through there. And yes, got run down by Malathot, but that was a better than most performance on that day. And to have a difference between five to two and fifteen to one on the morning line is utterly ridiculous. I like past the champagne as an A in here. Is she as good as Travel Column? I don't know. Travel Column to me is kind of the uh, the wild card in this spot. 
But I think it's those three. The winner comes from either the five, past the champagne, who I think is the best value in the race, or the big two, mouth up the 10, or the six, travel column. I don't think it's anything more than that in this year's Kentucky Oaks. Swifty, uh, Tyler, Tyler agrees, lock, stock, and barrel, travel column. I, I think you're – Single, single, uh, spread of three, single, single, uh, pick six ticket you put out there the other day or pick five. I like that ticket, yeah. You know, yeah. You know what kind of you know what's kind of crazy? I'm I mean, if we want to go up, I think you know what is kind of crazy. I think the 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 most heaviest favorite of the sequence, I might try and take a shot against maybe. I mean, what is that? Amp Pearl, right? Mm-hmm. Is that in the sequence? Um, where is that race? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, no, she says the devil's going to be a heavy chalk. I'm going to take a shot against that. That's the one. And the Amp Pearl, I'm going to look. I, I got to do some uh, replay watching because there's a horse in there that's really interesting to me. I just wanted to do some uh, replay watching. The uh, Brian Lynch horse. Gift list. That's a horse I'm really interested in. So I got to take a look if that horse was just, you know, that horse lost a joust. So I'm trying to figure if, I mean, Amp Pearl could be a freak. I mean, Ann Pearl, you know, what's crazy about Ann Pearl? I was in Vegas, September. I think it was in Vegas, September 15th. And a buddy of mine hits me up, like goes, there's a freak about to run at uh, Churchill and Vegas couldn't get Churchill at the time in September. I was out there. I was, uh, uh, I just, with the contest, I did some, uh, I entered a Westgate contest and all that stuff. So I was just playing uh, horses and stuff and Churchill can't be, so there was a, uh, she goes, there's a freak about the, and Pearl's not losing at uh, Churchill. I was like, okay, what do I do? So I PayPal'd a friend of mine to put $2,000 down on Aunt Pearl. And then I've just been following that horse ever since. <laughs> I vaguely remember those tweets. Uh, yeah, yeah. Swifty, tonight, uh, yes. as we're recording this Wednesday night, last night, as you're hearing this, or, or possibly uh, a little bit after that, you guys are gonna, you a bunch of cappers are gonna get on yeah. Degen Nation new YouTube yeah, we'll channel. Yeah, we'll get Tyler which you on next time too. I'll follow Tyler and he'll come on next time. I'll get a West Coast uh, day going with uh, Tyler, Tyler and uh, Ryan and a couple other dudes. We'll do a West Coast turn, even though Santa Anita sucks. He's going bias again. See the check behind me. Santa is pretty good. Santa, yeah, Santa Anita might be nice to look at, but the product is like dog shit. <laughs> I won't speak about slander, Swift. <laughs> he doesn't stand for that slander. I love Delmar. I love the you know. I just wish Santa need to get more horses, and I'm friends with Billy Koch, and I just yeah. I just wish there was more. It was bigger fields, but you know what? Like there's Sundays, like I really want to play Santa Anita. Like a couple of weeks ago, there was a really nice card, and I said, you know what? I'm going to play Santa Anita, and of course, it chokes out the pick five pays like eighty four dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, so, yeah. Don't forget, we're well aware of that. I think that's the weekend yeah. we hit. Yeah. Oh, so Keelan Swift. was like that. I was at Keelan for fucking two weeks, and it felt like a t- I tried to hit a $50 straight pick five, and I put a second twice right at the wire twice. So, Swift, twice. I, I yeah. want to propose this to you while we're, while we're on the air. All right, go ahead. So, you guys at DJ Nation, which I'm a big fan of. I love Thanks, the way bro. you appreciate the community. That. Of course. So what I like what you guys do is you always involve the community. You involve, yes. you involve the fans, you do your giveaways and stuff. Thanks, Why don't man. you and I put up the money? We'll, we'll crush this pick three here. We'll put the okay. ticket on there and then let's give away half of the profit when it hits to the Sounds to good, DJ Nation. Awesome, Wait. man. That's awesome. We'll definitely do that. I'm, I'm in for that. We hit it up and then we'll, we'll give it away. That sounds great. I'm in. All right, brother.
That's this awesome. Is, That's nice. This is some that. beautiful yeah. stuff. We're making dreams come true out here, folks. <laughs> Swift hitter. Yeah, we're trying to get back to the people. Did you see what Pete did? My buddy Pete gave away yeah, two. Um, unbelievable. How, how incredible is that, man? Unbelievable. Yeah. Great Good people out there. That's it. We're just trying to get the young people into the game. Like people, there's like, you know, if your father didn't bring you into the game or if you didn't have a relative, there's a good chance you might have not even picked up a horse race. And now we're trying to, I think more people, young fans are starting to realize, hey, there's something out there that we could possibly do. We could make some money off this and we could love the sport. I had a, my horse today run. I was pretty heartbroken, got pinched at the gate. Yeah, I was watching. and Yeah, that was uh, just, I'm like, tough. are you kidding me? I'm like, got pinched bad. I was like, oh, God. And it happens. That's horse racing. That it, that it is. Degen Nation, follow them, subscribe on YouTube. Tyler, you and me are coming back. We're going to, unfortunately, you're going to be back. Uh, we're going to get a real handicapper since Swift has to leave and go teach the masses. We're going to get Matt Dernerman in here, the voice of Golden Gate, the voice of Emerald Down. Oh, you. Yeah, I, hey, look, well, you know, we, we know some people <laughs> here. Uh, we're going to be back. Right after a short message, Swifty, thank you, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Tyler, I'll hit you up, and we'll do the pick three this weekend, brother. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Swift. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. We'll be back right after this. All right. Hello, Derby fans. This is Tom Gallo with Dream Maker Racing, proud sponsor of the Stewcast. Have you ever dreamed of getting your picture taken in the winter circle at racetracks like Saratoga and Belmont Park? Let us get you there through our incredible racehorse partnerships that have been built on years of experience in the industry. Dreammaker Racing is the premier partnership in New York, running New York Reds in the state of New York. From our on-site hospitality, excellent owner communication and overall incredible experience, we have been able to serve people from all over the world for nearly two decades and get them crazy about horse racing. Stop by our website today, dreammakerracing.com, for more information. We can make your racing dreams come true. Now back to the show. All right, we're going to get to Derby Day, the start of it, and... Uh, I made a promise to our guests that I'm going to be nice. So I'm going to start off. I'm going to be nice. I've been accused. My name's been sullied, thrown through the mud because apparently I'm not too nice. So I'm going to say some nice things. I'll introduce our first guest. Uh, one of the best handicappers. Uh, I dare say creme de la creme, top notch handicappers in California, Southern California um has a knack for this game that's unparalleled uh a great guy a good friend matt dinnerman it's wonderful to have you on voice of golden gate voice of emerald downs phenomenal handicapper congratulations on all your contest success uh, everything you're doing you're just killing it out there so thank you and welcome uh to the show Oh, well, it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for having me. And there's another guy that I know very well that we might get to know later on down the road here in a few minutes who just continues to one-up me with that in mind. So 
today we're going to try to have some fun and pick some winners and it's just an absolute pleasure to be on with you yeah you know what um i'm i'm hopeful you know we've got ptf he's a he's an accomplished tour player so i i think paul matisse i think that's who you're referring to as well could be one of those guys um and also joining us uh tyler hoffman all right Stu, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say something. That was all. Yeah. We'll do yeah. your spiel now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Tyler Hoffman, Santa Anita Contest. Really, really great stuff. I want Alan Hoffman on. That's who I'm trying to get to because he's he's the real brains behind the operation. You 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 can't afford his appearance fee. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we're going over races six and seven here to start, and then we're going to come back to race 10. Uh, let's start it off. Race six, 114 post time, Churchill Distaff, Turf Mile Stakes. Uh, I, description pretty much fits here on green stuff, going a mile. We'll start with the home team. And uh, Tyler Hoffman, why don't you lead us off? Where are we going here to start? Uh, our cap and for graded stakes races on Saturday. We're going to start off by trying to beat God Stormy. I thought in God Stormy's return last time in the Grade Three Honey Fox at Gulfstream Park, she sat a terrific trip. It was borderline a perfect trip off of the lone speed of Jakarta, who runs back today um, and breaks from the rail. And she did just enough to get the job done. Now I know God Stormy's passed all the tests here, but I I just don't think she's as good now as she was when she was four and five. With that in mind, uh, I lean to two runners in here. I lean to Zofel, who I think is the best closer in this race. I think her Honey Fox race was really, really good. She was hung out wide every step of the way. She just missed. For those of you that like calculating, uh, you know, final closing fractions, she came home in 22 and one-fifth seconds. Uh, the average time typically is 24 seconds. So it's obviously a terrific close from a number standpoint. And the other runner I like in here is the number six blowout. It's the second Chad Brown runner in here. Blowout has run terrific race after terrific race after terrific race. Um, her stablemate Viadera has beat her twice and caught her literally in the last jump. Nailed is a perfect description for chart caller notes, uh, both in the, in the main chart and the, uh, the race back, two back uh, at Belmont. I envision a very good forwardly placed trip for Blowout. I think Jakarta probably still goes and Blowout sits second. But with the blinkers coming off Jakarta, if that one does take back, if Blowout ends up on a lonely lead, she could be very, very dangerous in here because she is tough as nails. And uh, the races that she exited are all just terrific closing times um, for all three of the last races she ran last year. So I expect a big performance out of her today. So I'm 4-6. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Matt, are you leaning towards 4-6 or do you give a little credit to God Stormy or one of the outside contenders here? Well, I'm sort of with you two on Zafel. I think that she ran a really good race in the Honey Fox. Um, the way she closed, got Stormy, like Tyler referenced, got the perfect trip. I mean, sat off alone speed type Jakarta, and they weren't really going that fast for a mile. I mean, 24 and 148 and change over a good firm turf course. So got Stormy really had everything her own way, and Zafel almost beat her. And I think it'll be interesting to see what Jakarta does removing those blinkers because even if she does remove the blinkers and she goes to the lead, 
blowout's probably going to be a little bit closer, and there's probably going to be a little more speed signed on if that's the case. Now, if Jakarta takes back, like Tyler said, maybe blowout tries to just steal this thing on the lead. I don't feel that maybe um, – I, I just don't feel that Jakarta is going to be trying to take too far back. I think she's just naturally quick, even removing the blinkers. But I noticed in that race two starts ago, she get, did get a little bit keen in the early part of the race. So I'm thinking that maybe the blinkers off are just trying to get her to settle early on in the race. I like Safel. She's my top pick in the race. I think you have to respect God Stormy, but I'm not necessarily so sure she's one you want to single. Um, because there's very little margin for error, as you saw last time out in that race at Goldstream Park. So I'm going to use Zafel, and I also will use Jakarta. I like her in this spot. I think she ran a sneaky good race two starts ago, and if she can build off of that, then maybe she could some sur surprise some people, um, removing blinkers with Luis Saez. So she's sort of a price play that I think, even removing those blinkers, I think she's going in the front, and maybe this time around can stick around a little bit. That makes a little bit of sense. Tyler, what do you, what do you think about Jakarta's uh, line here? Like Matt said, two back really seems like sprint to mile it might be something that works for this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, J Jakarta's my third pick in here because she, she is the other speed um, in the honey Fox race. That was, she was my top pick that day because I knew she'd clear off and I was thinking God stormy didn't have another one in her. Maybe wasn't ready off the layoff. Um, you know, and, and needed one. So I was hoping to go wire to wire that day. She went off a big number. She ran great. She was dead game. Got Stormy, never let her get away, really. I mean, she just pressed her all the way there and she jumped her before the quarter pole, which was such a heads up ride uh, that day by Tyler Gaffleone. Because if he hadn't, I think Jakarta would have won that race. I hold nothing against Jakarta for the five and a half furlong turf sprint last time at Keeneland. It was a yielding turf course. Um, you know, she just kind of ran up and down. It was an even effort. But it doesn't mean anything to me. The stretch out back out today makes all the sense in the world. The blinkers off, as Matt said, she has been a bit headstrong. Um, she, it's just unlucky to me in this race that that blowout is in this field because blowout, no matter how this race is run, is going to be right on Jakarta if Jakarta goes. She's either the one pressing or she's going to put Jakarta in chase mode. Either way, it causes problems. But she is the value in the race. Um, and again, because of the, both of them have, you know, pretty good speed in here, that's what makes Zafel so tough because <laughs> Zafel is, is going to be, you know, have plenty of pace to run into and it's, and it's going to be flying. So that's why Jakarta for me on, a, on an ABC ticket format would be a, probably a C play for me. All right, Matt, let's head to race seven, the Derby City Distaff Stakes, also known as the Gamine Invitational. Are we are we going with uh, the namesake here and just and just kind of moving on? I mean, this this one obviously has uh, buried some fields in its history. What do you think? I suppose they open the gates because you just never really know how a race is going to pan out. But it sure looks like if anybody other than Gamine won this race, it would be a surprise. I mean, everything about her just says she's probably going to win this race, how fast she is, how good she is. She just towers the field in speed figures. She's just faster than everybody else. And like Bob Baffert said, you know, this Philly, according to him, is one of the best Philly and mare sprinters he's ever trained. And she's probably one of the best Philly and mare sprinters I've seen in my lifetime with her best race. And she doesn't even need to run her best race to beat this field. So 
to me, I look at the bingo card and say this is an absolute free space. Hopefully, Gamine doesn't get into some of that Jimson weed. I'll tell you what, that gets that's some scary stuff. And, you know, it's just horrible. Tyler, you know, it's just horrible. These horrible things are all around the barn and the horses eat them and, you know, makes them look like they're I don't want to see any type of Advil or anything even resembles Advil even close to any of the barns right now. Look, I'll tell you what, it's it's everywhere. Advil's in the ground. It's it's on the roofs. It's unbelievable. I I, enough said, but, you know, you hate. You hate to see these things happen to such uh, such great folks. Uh, Tyler, where it, I'll put it this way. I'll give you something different. If Gamine is a free square, like we kind of think we she is, who is there a price in here that we can maybe get that double? I, I'm hearkening back last year in the Acorn, when I, you know, because I have a crystal brain, I said gamine over pleasant orb, crystal brain, don't have a crystal ball, crystal brain comes through. They're shiny on top, I'll give you that. It's very, hey, you know, bald is beautiful. And uh, it, that paid out pretty good. I mean, you know, that still paid out enough to where you could make a little bit of money. Is there something underneath at a price we can get? You know, if I had to pick somebody at a price, to complete the exacta, I'd, I'd probably go to Rosario on the outside on the unique factor for Miller. Oh, this uh, guy with the California horses. Oh, my God. <laughs> Matt, it's like if this, this horse has been in California. California one time in Southern California. It's like, it's like 10, 10x. 10x, uh, you know, let's just shove it in. Tyler <laughs> likes to defend our coast. That's I do. We get, a, we get a bad rap out here. By the way, I, I'm thinking yes, for the sir. listeners, if Gamine loses – I'm so confident Gamin is going to win this race. If Gamin loses at Saratoga on Whitney weekend, still will run bare ass naked down the grandstand. That's what everyone didn't will agree to that. I, that's what we talked about offline. Don't back no, out now just because we're on the air, Stu. That better she better win by twenty now because <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> How about this? I will if she loses. I will. Send out a tweet about how much better of a handicapper you are than me. But <laughs> she's not going to. I'm not running. We, You know I can't do that. That I would have to answer to so many people in D.C. It would be unbelievable. <laughs> We're going with that. Unique factor maybe underneath. Uh, but Gamine wins the inaugural Gamine Invitational. Matt, before we move on to race 10 – Obviously, the voice of Golden Gate, uh, Tyler, not great at Golden Gate, um, pretty pretty bad. Uh, so I'll ask you this: Saturday, you've got a you've got a big card going. Um, what can we expect if we want to, you know, get a little frisky in the afternoon? We won some money on on the Derby. What can we look at uh, for Golden Gate Saturday? Well, we've got 10 races on Saturday, so that's a positive. First post is going to be at 12.45 p.m., so that's a positive. And I think the card is actually pretty good on Saturday. We had our Gold Rush weekend last weekend, and it went really well. Um, But our racing office has done a good job carding some good races on 
Saturday afternoon. And I'm just looking at the entries here. We've got an allowance race, a couple of main special weight races. And uh, some of those, in fact, both of the maidens and both in the allowance race, um, all three of those races are part of the late pick four sequence, races six through nine. The late pick five is always very popular. I mean, we've got the 20 cent golden pick six. One of my favorite bets, by the way, I want to note it is the early pick five because it's a low 14% takeout bet. So you get a lot of overlay payouts there. So if you want to start early at Golden Gate, you can go races one through five with the early pick five, but it's a pretty good card. There's some good quality there. So we're looking forward to it. Tapita and Turf. Hey, I've got a horse at Golden Gate Saturday, Stu. Uh-oh. Matt and I haven't even talked about this yet. Matt and I talk all the time, but I, I have a trip note horse because I, I just was on another podcast. And I found something real subtle. Race 10, the last horse on the entire card. The outside runner, number eight. Evener, even worse. Yep. He is a total trip play. I agree with you on that. I, I'm gonna read you the I'm gonna read you the, the PP comment, uh, Stu. Two wide, steady run for third. It, it must have been a different race. It, it must be a misprint. Can, that's can not I, ask, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I love, I love when you point out like, if you read the comments, it's like, oh, nothing much to see here. But then you watch, watch it, and it's like Macho Man dropping the elbow off the turnbuckle <laughs> right off the gate. the The horse could have been like fell down, got back up, and ran. Yeah, th this eight to one on the morning line. This horse is an absolute use in the twenty cent. Pick six at Golden Gate. It's an absolute use in the late pick four at Golden Gate. And it's an absolute, absolute use on one of Matt and I's favorite bets, which is the Golden Hour pick four, a $1 minimum, 15% takeout, and the Golden Hour daily double, the final leg for all of those bets. I got a feeling I'm going to be calling you at about, I don't know, 5.30 going. Let's, uh, like, let's do something. Act like we don't talk every day anyway at 5.30. Whatever. Whatever. It's not even, it's not even a thing. You're making it a thing. Don't act like it's a thing. Don't and you know what's great? You know what's great about that too is Jonathan Wong's got a horse coming from Phil Diamato's barn who is going to get bet that race. Yeah. So the conditions of that race are written for the Jonathan Wong horse. You had to, you, you had to run for, uh, was it 50,000 or less? Yep. Starter. And she's uh, he's only done it once. The maiden race at Emerald Downs back in 2020 when it went wire to wire. He's yep. that's the only reason he's there's nothing it. wrong with that. No, <laughs> that's why that's why it's actually a, a legit favorite for once. But that that's the reason that horse is going to be pounded. And on the outside, we're going to get all of that eight to one morning line. I mean, yeah. every bit of it. We're going to bet it with two hands. I like it. I'm in. I'm in. I'll be doing it. Uh, and by the way, Emerald Downs. I don't know. Matt, Matt's the the authority here. Tyler, you you may know something. It it felt like if you had speed, it was almost like you were in a NASCAR race on that surface. Like you could just skip across. So, do you think like those figures from when you see these these bullets coming out of Emerald Downs are are they kind of you know dressed up to borrow a line from our friend Andy? Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, I think with the workouts, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Emerald Downs, I think, is very hit or miss. I think there are certain times where you get horses that really do surprise folks. Um, it's a case-by-case -case basis. I wish I could give you a more decisive answer, but I can't because I think it's all I've seen. 
horses that come from Emerald and can't run a step anywhere else. And I've seen horses that come from Emerald where you say, I don't know if, if this horse is good enough and they compete and run well. So I think it's all a case by case basis, but um, you know, we have seen some decent horses come out of there though. You get some okay bred horses that, that can run a little bit there. And uh, it, it's, it's a fun track. It is a very fast track. I always joke that if run happy ran six furlongs, he'd blow the turn probably because he was going so fast. <laughs> 145 buyers. Right. 104 for six furlongs wrapped up. Wrapped. Uh, well, you know, folks, Hey, play, play Golden Gate. It's a great track. They put on a great product. Check them out after you're done. Count your stacks from the Derby. Throw some money on that uh, Golden Hour late pick four or the early pick five low takeout again. Boys, let's, let's run it back. Race 10. Uh, shortly coming up here, Tyler, are you going to uh, finally give us a winner in race 10? I gave out Gamine. Matt gave out Kameen. You gave out unique. Uh, Only because you let him go first. <laughs> Your opinion. All right. Come up with a winner. We'll roll back at race 10. All right. Joined right now to go over uh, the race number eight, the Pet Day Mile on Derby Day, it is a guy when I think Kentucky handicappers, uh, I, I'm, he's coming to mind very quickly. Ed DeRosa. Ed, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks. You're, you're at Churchill. You're on, the, on the, the bit here, and you're taking a few moments. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Uh, no better week uh, than Derby Week to talk racing, and of course, a lot of Oaks Derby discussion, but both those races are a part of some big multi-race wagers, and I uh, can't wait to hear what everyone thinks of the card. I'm looking forward to talking about my race with you. Yeah, beautiful stuff, man. Before we get to the Pet Day Mile, I, I want to definitely plug up. You're you're doing a ton of stuff this week uh, with Twin Spires and everything going on. If folks want to see more information, where can they go? I would definitely uh, encourage them to uh, go to Twin Spires, but especially Brisnet. A lot of great information uh, for both the Oaks and Derby workout reports, analysis of the runners, of course, the PPs. Uh, it's uh, sometimes information overload for some people, and you should be sensitive to that. But really, in my mind, uh, it's it's all about what information is important race to race and using it to the best of your ability. And uh, it's what we help you do at Brisnet. Yeah, it, it's great stuff. I've already uh, I've already spent a few shekels myself over at Brisnet, <laughs> get, and and I probably will Love certainly it. spend a few more. Uh, but let, let's get down into the Pat Day mile right here. Uh, I, I want to lead off with this. Seems like there is plenty of pace here, um, especially from the outside runners. Um, I'm going to be internally rooting for Joe Frazier because I, I love the boxer. But uh, in your mind, this outside pace, how is that going to shape this race? There's definitely a, a lot of pace uh, and when you get to my top pick, you'll see it doesn't bother me too much uh, because of who I have on top. But uh, in my mind, it's one of those paces where since I do like a front runner, uh, maybe you can get a, a long shot uh, that's running late up for second. So depending on how you want to play the race, 
uh, if you're in the verticals, I see the pace definitely, someone has to crash the party, at least underneath, but on top, I think the class is gonna prevail. And and like you said, you, you kind of teased it for us. Where are you going in here and why? I'm going with Jackie's Warrior. Uh, this to me seems like a uh, classic uh, Asmus and Barnes stuff. Uh, I understand uh, why they would want to give the, the Derby Trail a look. They had a grade one winner at two. Uh, yeah, the, you know, the pedigree didn't necessarily scream route, but Jackie's warrior was so fast as a two-year-old, you had to give him a chance to, to see what he could do again at a route of ground. And he ended up running into central quality twice, both at a mile on the 16th. He's gotten a freshening since that Southwest race, more than two months off now heading into Derby day. Uh, the one turn mile definitely should suit this one much better than the two routes we've seen. And the thing I look at at Jackie's Warrior, which, you know, you look at the four wins and they were all gate to wire. Uh, and then the two losses, uh, once he didn't even make the lead on the front end. Uh, but in those races, he ran still good brisnet late pace ratings. He never quit. It wasn't just a matter of blitzing two-year-olds he was better than. He just kept running. And his E2 rating was the fastest of any. So really, it's a middle move that he has that's so devastating. And it just fits the one-term profile to me. And I think he's the horse to beat. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, you, you make a compelling case there. Another thing here, when you're looking at, uh, you know, we're very young into these three-year-old campaigns. The second off a sustained layoff from last year, and you mentioned the two months, do you always kind of forwardly project uh, uh, like a forward move based off a previous race in a situation like this? It's barn dependent, to be honest, uh, but with the, you know, the estimates and barn, you, you know, no matter what the variable is, uh, they seem to have it covered. Uh, you know, the other thing is, I think slop uh, could be an excuse. Now, McLean's music is a great slop sire, 22 percent. Uh, the AP 500 uh, is just 4 percent. So if any of the damn side snuck through in that sloppy Southwest, uh, that that may have uh, hindered Jackie's Warriors chances as well. We should be fast on Derby Day. And this is just a barn that, to me, you know, they reset. Uh, they tried the Derby Trail. They went a mile on the 16th off the bench. I don't even know if that would have been Steve's preferred race off the bench, if not for the Derby. So this just feels like a reset. And we're back to a one-turn mile. He's a grade one winner there. And that makes him dangerous. You mentioned underneath there might be some late running uh, horses that get up and suck up for second or third. For those playing the verticals here, uh, it, where does your mind go when you when you started looking this one over? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, back to our discussion about who the, the closers might be in here, because this is a fast pace. Now, I just think Jackie's warrior and we, we saw it in the Breeders' Cup. He's able to sit off the pace and he made the lead in the Breeders' Cup. He just wasn't good enough against those at that distance. But he absolutely is capable of, of sitting and kicking here. And that's what I'm expecting. Uh, his stablemate, Whiskey Double, uh, and Winchell Thoroughbreds, uh, seems like they have a stable full of three-year-olds with whiskey references to uh, Midnight Bourbon in the that's, Kentucky that's Derby. That's not a bad thing, though, Ed. You're, not you're at from all. their part of the country. You can appreciate it. I hope they have a bar full of it, too. Uh, but <laughs> whiskey Double's definitely been a solid closer. I mean, that race, two back at Oakwan, uh, which was the last time Santana was up, closed furiously to get the job done. Then uh, they shipped him to the Bay Shore at Aqueduct. And just wasn't good enough there, but, you know, still ran okay, got a, got a check. So whiskey double to me, definitely dangerous uh, closing. And then sitting on go, 
uh, why not a repeat of the Iroquois? That was a race on Derby Day last year in September, one turn mile, uh, and he upset some good ones, including Midnight Bourbon and Superstock, both of Steve's Kentucky Derby uh, entrants. So sitting on go is interesting to me. If you're just saying, hey, this race might completely collapse. He's already done it at the track and distance on this day. Why not again? I love that. I had it last year. Uh, Tyler Hoffman had sitting on go last year. Uh, so yeah, let's roll the dice again. Ed, busy week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, what do you got going on the rest of the week? Where, could, where are we going to be able to catch your musings on Twitter as well? <laughs> well, yeah, you definitely know I'll be active on Twitter, EJXD2, uh, the Twin Spires handle, also sharing a lot of great content and promos. I uh, would just encourage everyone uh, to get involved, be a part of the conversation, and let's win some money. I can't let you go without a derby thought. Uh, where where are you inclined to go? I mean, it's we're taping on Wednesday, so I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire, but where are you inclining yourself to look at? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the highly motivated camp. He's my, my top pick to win. Uh, my wagering strategy, if I'm being you know honest, though, is going to be less about having him winning and more about having Obezos or keep me in mind in the Superfecta. I feel like that's the opportunity to cash in this race is uh, to get one, maybe both horses uh, in the number. I think they're uh, you know they're going to be Obezos. I guess has, has gotten some attention, but keep me in mind for sure. Going to be a, a bomb underneath there. So. Highly motivated wins. Great. I'll be happy I, I had the winner, but I'm not going to cry too hard if it comes St. Hood. Keep me in mind. You know, I got to tell you, just as a heads up, uh, another Kentuckian, Mike Maloney, specifically calling out, keep me in mind, loves him for the uh, I know. For I the listened super to the Monster and Pod, and when I heard him say that, I was like, come on, Mike. That's supposed <laughs> to be the uh, inside, insider one here. Yeah, well, you know what? We we'll, we know where he lives. We can send him some uh, hate mail. Yes, I, I could actually wait for him at Keeneland to uh, <laughs> shake him down a little bit. No, Mike's really sharp, and, you know, obviously he's had to adapt his game. But, you know, when he was – he's still a pro. Uh, but, you know, back in the day of the dollar supers at every track, uh, that, that was his bread and butter, is knowing when to zig when others were zagging and finding horses like that. So – I'm happy you was on him, but I have no doubt Mike hurt, hurt a little bit of our price. Yeah, a little bit, but you know what? Still still should be some money there. Ed, I hope yep. you crush it this week, brother. Thank you for taking time out of your work schedule at Churchill. Go enjoy the races, brother. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Coming up, Craig Mokowski in the American Turf. If you like the StuCast, you might want to check out what's going on over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com and on the In The Money Media Network. We've got a whole bunch of podcasts devoted to horse racing from the player development side to the week-in, week-out gambling side to the horseman side. There's going to be a show for you. Come check us out, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, and we look forward to seeing you there. All right, we are back, and I'm really excited to talk to my good friend. We, we got the co-host on Tuesday's episode, the as he says, the real host of the Timeform U.S. Pacecast, which is available through DRF wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, he is my good friend, Craig Mokowski. Craig, it's you- lovely to see you, brother. 
Yeah, how you doing, uh, Stu? Uh, things good. A rainy Wednesday here in Oklahoma City. Been raining uh, all last night and today, so I'm just hanging out, sitting on the uh, the couch, watching some Churchill. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a rough job. You you look like you're really struggling there. Yeah, it's actually a new love seat we got too that I just put together. So me and a buddy actually had to move this thing, which if you've ever moved furniture, which I'm sure you have, yeah, it's not a lot of fun, but it, it was worth it because I'm pretty comfortable this morning. That's good to hear. Well, you got to rest up. I mean, the tennis game. I know you're you're you still got to give it to Swift Hitter eventually, so you got to rest those weary bones. I know your daughter gives you the grief, the business, so you got to rest up after that. So. You, you need you need all the help you can get, brother. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I pick my opponents well, by the way. Like yesterday, <laughs> I played on the clay court, and I'm about to turn 54, and I was still 16 years younger than anyone else on the court. So, you know, you, you got to know, you know, you don't <laughs> enter a, a grade one stake if you're a 20,000 claimer, you know? So that's what I did. You might you might be becoming the, the Logan Paul of uh, tennis out there. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it could be the first time I ever root for Floyd Mayweather if that fight actually happened. Shocking. Yes. Well, it sounds like it is. I think they got it for D-Day, June 6th. Wow. <laughs> uh, Floyd is minus a million. Um, yeah. I would say this guy has less of a chance than Conor McGregor did, and he had less than zero. <laughs> uh Hey, uh, big week for you guys. I heard the the episode uh, that came out, I believe, yesterday. I, I teed it up this morning at the gym uh, working on my 20-inch pythons. Humble brag, it is what it is. Uh, it, it was a good episode. I liked how you guys went through all the props and kind of bleeding that into uh, some derby talk. Are we getting another one later this week? Uh, well, this is coming out at, uh, on Thursday evening as folks are listening to it. Will you have another one out? No, that's it for this week. Um, David, just he can't hang on these busy weeks. Me, I would do one every day. You know, I'm just full of energy. But he has a little more to do than me, I think, with the morning lines and, and writing some analysis. So he was only able to do one. But we, we covered the Derby in the Oaks pretty well. I don't think a whole lot's going to change between now and then. And I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Like I said on the podcast, outside the uh, the Breeders' Cup weekend, this is it for me. I mean, this is probably the the second biggest weekend of racing. So love it, and I'll be glued to the TV. That sounds beautiful. I will be the, doing the same, and hopefully you, the listener, will be doing it. I'm, I'm sure you will be if you're listening to this. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Race 9, the American Turf Grade two, mile and a 16th on green stuff. Uh, Craig, I mean, I, I'm a time form US guy. I love it. I think you bit, you're somewhat familiar with the product. This is color coded as a, a very fast pace. And when you start looking at these race, race horses in this one, there is a ton of speed in here. There is. I want to say before I get into the race, the first thing I made note of was that you only assigned me a grade two race and I'm on day two uh, of the, the podcast. So let's just keep that in mind for, for future references if I answer the phone. Uh, hey, look, I in in my defense, Andy Serling said he would not be caught dead on the same podcast with you. That's And, and you know, Andy's, I mean, he's the MVP, right? 
Mike Maloney also said some terse words about you, but he didn't say anything else about like not showing up. But I mean, that's that's maybe some behind the scenes stuff. I don't want to put it out there. But yeah, a lot of people don't like you, allegedly. <laughs> now, you actually picked two guys who are the, uh, the rare exception that I know for a fact do like me. So. Oh, that's rumor and innuendo, Craig, but continue. <laughs> But yeah, as you said, this this race is we have it marked on our pace projector is one that that's going to have a fast pace. And looking at the PPs, it's kind of hard to argue with it. You have uh, excellent timing, drawing the rail. He's a uh, first time turfer, first time two turns uh, in his second start for Chad Brown. I don't see a ton of turf breeding on him, but Chad's pulled that move before. So I think he's one you got to respect, but at the very least, he's almost guaranteed to be a pace factor in here. The horse just to his outside, a win from within has a lot of speed. He's tried two turf routes and he's never not been in front uh, at any point during the race. So he's obviously got speed. And as you look through there, there's some more uh, long shots that also have a lot of speed and dynamite, holy vow and next. And then one of the horses who's actually going to take some money is du jour for Bob Baffert. And he's the one out of all the main contenders. I think that the pace is going to hurt the most because he's run some pretty good speed figures as good as anybody in the field, but he's also done it being up close to some moderate paces that he's not going to see here. So he's either going to have to run a lot faster early, or he's going to have to change his running style and come from further off the pace. So he's the one when I, I did a first pass here that I don't like that that's one considered a contender by many and particularly on the morning line. Hard, hard to figure a horse like dynamite, uh, not taking back and not being on, on the on the bit there uh and like like you said i mean yeah we we've gone through about five six horses here that really seem like they want to be very forward here so it's refreshing to get a turf race where where we might get some real speed that leads me to a few uh really nice closers that are you know finding their way to the very low end of the odds board uh, horse like Annex, and then you have all the way on the outside, horse like Scarlet Sky, ones that want to come from the clouds. Are, are you looking there, uh, or or do you have another horse in mind that, that might be a little bit better set up uh, as a closer here? Well, I think you have to respect those two. I mean, they're in top form. Annex comes in. He's undefeated in three tries. He won the uh, that Palm Beach Stakes over Scarlet Sky. And then he went on to win the Cutler Bay. Scarlet Bay left uh, Gulfstream and went to Keeneland and won the uh, Transylvania. So those are the two. I can't blame anybody for picking them. But one of my rules as a horse player is I do not bet closers at short prices, even on the turf, because just too much can happen, particularly in a field like this. There's 14 entered. Uh, they're not also eligible. So it's possible that, that they'll also all go to the gate and cause some traffic jams. So I went for a closer that that's just going to be a much bigger price. And that's Palazzi drawn far outside. He definitely has some things going against him. I mean, he has that bad post. Um, he's going to have to work out a trip. But he was only beaten a half length by uh, Scarlet Sky in the Transylvania. And if he can work out a trip, I, I don't see any reason he can't be right there at the finish. And he's going to be probably four times the price of those other two. 
again, I have no real knocks on them. Annex uh, and Scarlet Sky both draw well. I, I mean, both have run well. Annex all obviously has a uh, advantage with the post position drawn inside. They probably have the two best jockeys in America right now in Ibrad Ortiz and Joel Rosario, especially on off-the-pace turf runner. So, again, if I'm playing uh, horizontal bets, I'm probably going to have to use those two. But as a guy playing vertical bets, I'm going to try to make money using Palazzi. You bring up Palazzi, and there's another one I wanted to get your take on uh, in Lucky Law, the 12 horse here, kind of like Palazzi in that, this one drawn outside obviously has, uh, you know, some closing ability. Lucky Law a little bit closer in theory based on time form uh, projections. Be a little bit closer slightly uh, to the meat of the pace. Being drawn out to the outside like this, do you think that that's, you know, cause for concern if, if you're looking to bet uh, either one of these? Yeah, I mean, it's not great. It would be worse if they were speed horses, though, because then you're almost guaranteed to uh, be wide around the first turn. And when the pace is fast, that's something you really want to avoid. If it's slow, not so much of a big deal as it doesn't take as much out of you. But if the pace is quick and you're out there trying to get position, it can be tough. But as closers with a lot of speed in here, I think they'll have plenty of opportunity to settle into a spot more towards the rail. Not that they're going to be on the rail, but maybe two, three wide at the worst. And hopefully tucking in behind a few horses. So it's not great. You'd certainly rather draw the, the two or three hole or something like that than the, the 12 or the 14. But I don't think it's a death sentence when you're a closer who's going to try to do most of your running late. So Palazzi is the pick. Is there anything else in this race? Any other thing you might might include uh, either in verticals or horizontals for something that uh, might, might pique your interest come uh, – Derby day. Yeah, I'm not going to ignore excellent timing. The Chad Brown horse I mentioned because speed is always dangerous, even on the turf. He draws inside. And if there's one thing I'm pretty sure of is that horse is going to the front. Uh, he, he's going to be probably a length in front or so, and they're going to have to catch him. As I said, he doesn't have a lot of breeding, but when Chad Brown puts these horses on turf, he usually does so for a reason. Uh, I've seen this played out many times before where I'll look at the breeding and think, oh, that's not a turf horse. But Chad Brown is a very good turf trainer, so I respect what he's doing. The horse is going to be double-digit odds, and I think he could very well run well in this spot. Quick Quick uh, question here. If you pull up uh, this website, Timeform US, excellent timing. What I'm looking at is a breeding rating for turf at 100 uh, out of 100. Like this one, um, the dam obviously good on the turf. I don't know. Yeah. This one, the more you talk about this one, it, it, I guess it's just a, a case of can this one see the trip, the distance switch into uh, turf because we haven't seen it yet. I, I mean, but it's really interesting if, if this one is capable of translating dirt success and that's a lot of dirt success uh, over to the green stuff. Yeah, and I, I probably misspoke a little when I said not a lot of turf breeding. I should have said there's not a lot to go on because yeah. – 
the dam didn't race all that often. The horse doesn't show any siblings in our past performances, which is one of the things I really like to mm -hmm. use for horses moving the turf. And not that time isn't really uh, known as a big turf sire. He, he's not the worst out there, but he's, he's not the best either. So, um, you know, it's there. Like I said, I, I will take my cue from Chad Brown. He's only had this horse for a couple starts and he's seeing fit to put the horse into a grade two. So I, I have to respect that. Uh, I've been burned by it a few times in the past where I didn't and it cost me. So this is one I will definitely use. And like I said, Annex and Scarlet Sky, they can run just fine and maybe they will, but it, this isn't the kind of race where I want to take a short price because I think it's more open. And just looking at our preview page in Timeform US, there's just not a lot of spread in the speed figures from top to bottom. All the horses are pretty close, even the longer prices. So it's never the kind of race I'm going to bet favorites in. Craig, I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, I know you're watching Thunder highlights and, and watching Kate Cunningham film, um, just getting ready for, for the coming storm uh, when you guys get that number one pick because my Pistons just refuse to lose. So uh, enjoy that. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed, I have to say, with the Thunder pulling one out yesterday and ending that 14 race losing streak. I really dislike the Celtics now. That was an embarrassing performance. And that actually opened up a little gap between your Pistons and my Thunder on the reverse side. So Thunder need to dig down and get some more L's so we can get maybe not Cade Cunningham, but one of those top four or five guys. You got a fade for Cade. Yeah, it's, I saw a good joke my daughter showed me uh, where she said, don't worry about this Thunder 14-game losing streak. Their best three players aren't playing, and it listed Shea, Lou Dort, and Cade Cunningham. <laughs> hey, man, uh, I hope uh, things go well this week for you, uh, and uh, I'm happy to hear that the house is fixed. We got, we got the, the, whole, the hole in the wall fixed. Everything's looking good on your end. Um, hopefully, we can talk again down the road. When you get uh, some time on your hands, I hope you have a lot of time on your hands coming up soon. And uh, thanks for joining again. Uh, Craig, where can people catch you and support uh, not only you, but uh, Timeform? Our website's timeformus.com. That's where you can find all our PPs and how you can get them. On Twitter, I'm TimeformUSFigs, and as you mentioned, David Aragon and I do one or two podcasts a week, usually two, though it's only one. Uh, we always tweet that out. It's available on the DRF channel on YouTube. Uh, pretty easy to find. Just go to that channel, and we're always uh, near the top after we put it out. Beautiful stuff. Craig, I'll catch you down the road. We're coming right back. Moving on to race 10 right after this. What's going on? It's Matt Bernier from the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. Be sure to join us every Monday, occasionally Tuesdays, but for the most part, every Monday. However you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's YouTube, you name it, you can find it a million different places, including InTheMoneyPodcast.com. It's the Matt Bernier Show. Anything and everything to do with the world of horse racing. All right. After a uh, very spirited uh, conversation with Tyler talking at me and Matt, uh, he thought we were on. He, we just let him go for about 10 minutes. Um, so we know where he's going in the race. 
Uh-huh. You guys are such jerks. No one told me. I we said, I said, and you can rewind the tape after race seven. I said, <laughs> hey, we'll be back after this. We hit pause, and then you just kept going. All, I thought you were talking to us. All the listeners need to know is that I'm passionate about a horse in here. And I'm okay. going to go right through with what I was saying during the commercial break. Excellent. So, Matt, why don't you lead us off in race 10 and uh, let us know what you like in here. I'm also very extremely passionate about a horse. Beautiful. And, I love passion. Yeah. It's, it's, I, think, I think we got a winner here. You know, I don't know if Tyler is going to pick a winner in this race, but we're, we're going to try. <laughs> okay. And I'm going with Tap It to Win, number five. You know what? That was my pick, too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that we're on the same – Tyler, can you keep it down from the peanut gallery over here? Jeez, Matt, you were absolutely correct. I mean, this one is just sitting on it. I, <laughs> I think the distance, this one wants it. This is like the perfect. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. last race at Tampa, you talk about a horse that ran like he was so much better than the other horses. It's, I mean, he just totally dominated at Tampa. And this race sets up perfectly for him. I don't it's know if Flagstaff's going to go to the ahead. lead. There's a couple horses that could go to the front. Um, Flagstaff's one of them. Um, even Tap It to Win, when he won an allowance race at Belmont, it was going a mile and a 16th. But he went to the lead, went 22 and 3, 45 and change over a fast track. Get the prize as a horse that was close to the pace last time out going seven at Keeneland. So there's some speed in here, but... I think ultimately I'd like to see Tappet to win just off the pace. He's a good horse. Before a layoff, he was finishing right behind Rushy, Echo Town, um, and he's not a two-turn horse. So I think that last race, the uh, restricted stake at Tampa going six, is a perfect race to just prep for this run right here. I, I think Tappet to win at eight to one's a really fair price if we can get that, and I think he's sitting on a big effort. I'll give you another one I'm interested in. I'd love your take on it, Matt. Shasha, shake me up. Uh, really? Yeah. You know, I normally don't pick these these uh, Peter Miller horses, but uh, what's your take? I think there's something there. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. This horse was so far back. It was a fast pace last time out, but he rolled late. And trainer Peter Miller, he's doing the same thing with Shasha, shake him up as he did with CZ Rocket, claiming this horse and this horse just continuing to improve. And he's run three really bang up races. And I think that last race, another race setting him up perfectly for this run. So um, he loves this track too. I mean, he's four for five at Churchill, two first, two seconds. So we know he likes this track. You know how it goes. Sometimes horses at Churchill, they love it or they hate it. There are certain horses that just don't care for the Churchill dirt, but this horse really seems to take to it. And he's in better than ever form. So I, I think that's a pretty darn good exact Al and good handicapping on you, my friend. Hey, Very good. I, I, I got to give you this one because, you know, I, I was a little tepid on tap at the win, but the way you outlined it, perfect. All right, Thanks. Tyler, uh, do you, uh, do you have an opinion? This is why I don't have enemies. I consider both of you friends. And this is what you guys do to me when it's not recording. You take my whole analysis on tap it to win and just use it for yourselves. And then you take my number two play in the race, Shasha Shake Me Up. And you didn't even mention the best part of Shasha Shake Me Up, which is the closing fraction, which was 23 and one-fifth seconds, which is terrific on the main track. Uh, what Matt says about the you know, horse for the course is, is absolutely right. And that's why Shasha Shake Me Up is a really fun 
play in this race with Tappet to win. Tappet to win that absolute prep race last time. I uh, I really, really like him in this spot for basically everything Matt said, because that's what I said when we were recording. So when Matt and I agree, allegedly, we don't know. We don't have the recording. <laughs> People know, Stu. They they know you now. They're onto your game here. They, they know how There's you treat nobody me. nobody onto my game. I don't They, they, they know anymore. how you treat me. So can I can I can I go through a couple other runners in here? Is, is that okay? I mean, yeah, sure. Or do you guys want to you guys want to accuse me and Matt uh, liking them? If me and Matt like them, you, you're just gonna say, Oh, I said this one uh 25 minutes ago to myself. <laughs> in no my basement. plagiarism in podcasting. There isn't. And we weren't plagiarizing. We we like these horses. Exactly. Because we're handicapped. I mean, we're professional. <laughs> I know Matt is. I don't know what you are. I, 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 when I'm unretired, I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm going to go through a couple other runners here for the listeners. Okay. Help them out, you know, with the, with, with the verticals here. Fine. Go ahead. Uh, a cu- couple other runners in here that I think fit from the exact in the try standpoint to key with tap it to win and shot shot shake me up, but specifically tap it to win uh, is the number six attachment rate who comes out of the Commonwealth stakes at Keeneland. This one was really rolling late. Again, another one, when you're calculating the, Closing fractions came home in 35 and one fifth seconds. To put a reference on it, that's the final three furlong time. Average is 36 seconds. This is four fifths of a second faster than the average. Not something you see traditionally on the dirt. Turf racing all the time. But anytime you can find a runner like this on the dirt that does something like that, it's worth taking note of. Uh, and then finally, the number 12 horse endorsed. Comes out of the same race as the Fat Man. And it looks like the Fat Man handled that one pretty easily. Except when you pay attention to the chart caller's comments, slow start and lack room on the turn. That's almost an understatement. It should be in bold, highlighted, exclamation marks everywhere. It was a really, really unlucky trip. Uh, and he was no doubt best on that day. He'd have beat the fat man had he had a clean journey that day. Draws outside, tactically, uh, you know, should be tactically placed. And uh, at 12 1 with the drill Rosario, I think definitely fits as an underneath contender in here, if not one to, to mess around with on reversing in the exactus. Because I do think Tap of the Wind will be there. That is far and away the A, the number one pick, uh, and a runner that both Matt and I really, really like in here. So Tap of the Wind, Shasha Shake Me Up, Attach and Right the Six, and Endorsed are kind of the four. Um, if you're spreading here in the in the pick five, uh, pick four, pick three, pick six, double, exactus, tries, supers, you name the bet. I'd use combinations of those horses and key tap it to win. Uh, super high five as well. Is there a super high five in this race? I don't, I don't see know. it listed. I was just checking to make sure. I, I, don't, I don't see it listed. Okay. Start of the pick five. They're right in the go. middle of the pick five. A couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Flagstaff, uh, morning line favorite. A lot of people are going to look at these connections, Sadler and Saez. You know, Rosario hopping off, is is there anything to read into this or is it just, you know, connections type deal? Because Rosario's been riding and he rides a lot for Mott over the weekend. Is this a connections deal? Yeah, I actually know the reason for this. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Surprise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason from what I'm hearing from pretty good sources, a couple of them, is that they were not sure if they were going to run Flagstaff because they were concerned that if Charlatan was going in the race, then they would back off. Well, Charlatan decided not to run, you know, the connections anyway. And Rosario had already committed 
to the other horse. So they needed a rider and they picked up a pretty darn good one in Luis Saez. So I personally don't read that much into this, even though I will say from a handicapper's point of view, Flagstaff morning line favorite. Would I use him on ticket? Sure. But I think he's a very beatable horse. I think he'll run well because he usually always does, but I think he's a very beatable horse in a field like this. Very little margin for error. His speed figures are good. They stack up with a lot of horses in here though. I agree completely. Flagstaff. I mean, if, if Louis wants it, Louis takes the lead in this race. Flagstaff is the speed of speed fractionally. If he um, wants it. Yeah. But I, I, that's not his natural running style. I don't think that's when he's at his best. His best is stalking, you know, some other speed type uh, and, and then pouncing because he is very, very game in the lane. Three to one is a tough price to take in a field that is this competitive. Um, and I also, I, I wasn't in love with his Commonwealth race. And again, fractionally close grade. I just mentioned why I liked endorsed because endorsed came home in 30, uh, or sorry, not endorsed, uh, attachment rate came home in 35 and one fifth. Flystaff came home in 35 and three fifths. There's absolutely no knocks on him. Um, he's as honest as the day is long. And he likes seven for honest, and he's got three wins from five starts with a second. So Flystaff absolutely fits on, on all the tickets. But on a card that is you're trying to find value on, this seems like a great race to price shop and hopefully bring something else home. The same reason why, you know, Whitmore, the champ. I mean, Whitmore has done absolutely nothing wrong, really his whole career, you know, through 40 starts. I mean, he's been as consistent as can be, but I think, Matt, you and I have both agreed Seven Furlongs probably isn't Whitmore's best distance, right? It's probably not his best distance, and we're going to see how he does without Lasix as well. Um, mm -hmm. That is a factor with him. Um, but yeah, I would agree. I think looking at him, he's more of a six furlong type than he is a seven furlong type. Can he win at seven? 100%. Absolutely. And he loves Oaklawn Park, and he's run two really bang up races to a good horse in CZ Rocket. But at seven to two on that morning line, he's going to get bet. You try to beat him? I would. He's only one for five at seven. He's a lot more effective at six. I would agree with you with that. But it doesn't mean he can't win or run well at seven, but he's better at six. So, hence, we're both basically telling everyone that's listening, this is a race to go after the prices, and this is, you know, a spot where both Matt and I want to take stands against the, you know, the top two betting choices in the race, both number four, Flagstaff, and number nine, Whitmore. I spread. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff, boys. Uh, you guys, before we head out and uh, go talk to uh, PTF here, you guys have a long relationship. You guys are friends. Shocking to me, Matt. I, I don't know how you, maybe it's like a, you know, a charity type thing. Uh, that's my guess. How, how you guys know each other and uh, talk about three Colts. Well, I've taken a lot of Advil to have to deal with Tyler. No, <laughs> makes sense. Tyler, Tyler, distance helps too. We're hardly ever in the same place. Yeah, I know. I've probably seen Tyler in person only in the summertime and probably five, six times a summer, but that's okay. I'll be seeing him hopefully at Del Mar this summer a little bit, and uh, hopefully things Absolutely. continue to go in the right direction for normalcy. But anyway, we had a, a blog called Three Colts Handicap back when we were just young tykes, probably what? I was probably 14, 14, 15, 14, 15, 16, somewhere around there. And we made a blog of posting handicap and picks for the summer at Delmar and became really good buddies. And we actually met before then because Tyler and his dad, Alan, and the team, they, the group, they had a box on the fourth floor at Delmar and we would sit in a friend's box, my dad and I, and that's sort of how we met up. 
because Tyler was a young guy and I was a young guy and we were the only two young guys at the track. And I'd look at my dad and be like, who is this guy? Who's this young guy? I'm the only other young guy here. What's he, does he handicap like I do? And we became buddies. It was a match made in heaven. You got, you got to remember, Stu, this is back when Delmar ran six days a week. So like on Mondays at Delmar, there'd be like 400 people. Yeah. So the fact that there was even somebody under the age of like 50 at the track was a miracle. <laughs> and Tyler would have, you'd have your Brisnet forms. You had, a, you'd be in your sandals and Brisnet forms. That was it. That's right. Everybody knows I'm, I'm flip-flops unless it's raining. Yeah. That's that's a shocking admission. Wouldn't have guessed that one. <laughs> what kind of cup do you have for the change, by the way? Tyler? Like when you're panhandling? Oh, when I'm panhandling? Yeah. I got a Dunbar cup. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. that's classy. It yeah. is. I thought it was a nice touch myself. I yeah. said right there on Via de la Valle. That's how, I, that's how I afford the early pick five. I don't know what that means. That's the street uh, Delmar's on. You know, if you ever came out here and you know saw what you know life is like over here. And uh, it's a picture on the cup of cigar losing to Darren Go. So yeah. the name depression as that day by looking at the cup and watching this guy <laughs> holding it. Well, hey man, you, I mean, you said the right words, depression. That's the words that come to mind when I think of Tyler <laughs> Hoffman. Uh, very, very selfish guy. Very selfish I, guy. Watch I, yourself I, around I, him. I am. I, yeah. I, 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 it is. I mean, I'm, I'm just happy you have so many great guests on your show. That's all I got. <laughs> Tyler, got Tyler treats me well. I'm lucky. For whatever reason, there's something about me. I just, he, he can't not be nice. So, well, yeah. And again, thank you for coming on, Matt. Golden Gate, check it out Saturday. If you missed the portion, the earlier portion on races six and seven. Go check it out. We give out some great tips when it comes to Golden Gate. Keep doing the Lord's work in the booth out there. And uh, still, thank you again for the voice of Emerald Downs got me in the game. So uh, I appreciate you, brother. Don't well, get a derby pick? Oh, up, that's man? right. I, I forgot. Uh, derby pick. Matt, I, I said some nice words about you. Why don't you lead us off? I almost forgot. Thank you, Tyler. Great co-host, even if, even if he is a little self-absorbed. <laughs> Tyler, um, I I don't know if you like this horse, but you were there, I'm pretty sure, on the day he ran. So I'm interested to hear what I'm interested to hear what you think of him. Um, just watching him on site, I picked Rock Your World. I know there's California bias here for some people may be saying, oh, here comes the California bias, but I really do like this horse. I think he's a really good horse. I, I look at the field he beat and I say, okay, did he beat the strongest field? Very arguably, no, he didn't. What I was impressed about was not who he beat. What I was impressed about was the fact he was able to run the way he did after just two starts and both of them were on the turf. First time dirt, fantastic effort. He's by Candy Ride out of an Empire Maker mare named Charm the Maker, who's a very nice turf mare, but there's a lot of route pedigree there. His gallop outs, the way he works, everything about him suggests that he will enjoy a mile and a quarter, draws a great post. I think he's going to get a really good trip just off the pace. He went to the lead in the Santa Anita Derby. I don't think that's happening this time. And I feel that this horse, believe it or not, with Joel Rosario back in the saddle, he was aboard the first time. This horse might even be able to run a little better than he did in the Santa Anita Derby. And I've been watching his workouts heading into this race. 
Um, I'm not somebody that bases my opinions for the Derby solely on workouts, but I will say I do think his works heading into this race are better than his works, which were also very good. But nonetheless, I think his works now are better, even a little better than what we saw before the Sandy Nita Derby. So I'm expecting a big effort out of him. It's not going to be an easy race. He needs to have his running shoes on. He needs to run his best. But if he can, I think he's got a chance to beat the 19 others in here. So we're going with Rock Your World, number 15. Uh, wild turn of events, folks. The the guys from California pick Rock Your World, the <laughs> California horse. A very shocking turn of events. Tyler, uh, Hot Rod, Charlie, or Medina Spirit, I guess. See, which one? <laughs> Not Medina Spirit. I, I've been against Medina Spirit forever. So if Medina Spirit beats... You know, wins the Kentucky Derby, I, I'm, I'm in big trouble. The pride of uh, Protonico. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the winner comes from either Hot Rod Charlie, number nine, number four, 14, Essential Quality, or number 15, Rock Your World. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know that I have a top pick yet. I, if I had to, to give out who I think is going to win the race right in this moment, I agree with Matt. I, Rock Your World, I just keep coming back to. What I loved about the San Diego Derby wasn't just the race itself. It was specifically the gallop out. That's something I always pay attention to. And the gallop out was powerful. I don't think the extra eighth of a mile is going to be a problem. As Matt alluded to on the pedigree side, distance should not be an issue. Um, he doesn't need the lead. I don't envision him on the lead. I think he sits just off in stocks. Um, so I, I, Rocky Roll right now is probably my top pick with Hot Rod Charlie being the 1A. I really loved his, his Louisiana Derby effort. I thought that was a big time performance. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile, when he, he ran his heart out at 94 to one against Central Quality, there's no knocks on. Even the Robert B. Lewis stakes where he came up just shy to Medina Spirit. Medina Spirit ran his eyeballs out in that San Felipe. But what's not noted is Hot Rod Charlie also did, and he didn't save an inch of ground at any point in that race. And Santa Anita, the inside on main track races has been dominant throughout. So Medina rode the best part of the track while Hot Rod Charlie rode what I think is the worst part of the track for the most part this meet. So that's my one and one A. Obviously, essential quality, there's no knocks. I don't know. I can't poke any holes in essential quality. So I think it's those three. I'm going to key those three. And I'm going to hope Rocky World's the one that wins. You know, uh, Tuesday, Andy was talking with me and he brought up that exact fact. And that's why he was kind of a little tepid on, on maybe looking towards Medina spirit being a little bit wide on that day and rock your world ha having the best of it on the rail. If that's the case in that race, is, is it just a sheer fact that the gallop out was just so much stronger and that just tells you something more, or do you give up a little bump up to Medina spirit based on being wide that day? I can't speak for Matt. For me, my, my problem with Medina Spirit is not that I don't think he's a good horse. I think he's a hard trier. I think he's a horse that no matter what the competition is, he's going to be there. He's going to hit the board a lot. I just don't think he's the cream of the crop. Um, so I, for me, he's just he's an exact uh, try a super runner. He's not my win contender. He's somebody I want to use underneath because I can give him excuses, you know, all kinds of different ways for 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 why he runs well but why he doesn't win he just seems a notch below I, I don't think the track bias was the difference in him losing to rocky world by four and a quarter lengths that day fair enough matt 
Uh, is there any other thoughts that you have? I mean, I already gave you the nice spiel. Uh, and by the way, we're going to have you back for a little around the turn action. It's coming back. We're going to see how good this Tyler Hoffman is. He can he can go to Kinko's and print up all the checks he wants and have his his dad, you know, graciously take a picture with the check that his dad won and, you know, send that out on Twitter all he wants. But we're going to see how good he is against some real pros. Hopefully we can have you back for that. Do you have any thoughts on uh, anything else on Saturday? Oh, I think it's just a really good card. I mean, uh, obviously every year on Derby Day, it's going to be a really good sequence of races. And we see that again once more. And one race that I love, I just want to mention, is the Turf Classic, the Old Forester Bourbon Turf Classic. Just a really fun race, which is the appetizer before the entree, the Kentucky Derby, every year. And I think that's a very competitive race. Um I will not show California bias and pick smooth like straight there. I'm still trying to find a pick, but there are a lot of really nice horses in there. And I actually think Ivar number four for Paulo Lobo could come back and run a really good race there. Colonel Liam, he's a very nice horse, obviously. So um, just, it's a good card and I'd love to come back. I had a ball. So thank you guys for having me. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on Tyler. Uh, man. Thanks, I guess for, your time uh, yeah you're 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 welcome student don't, don't say that too enthusiastically shout out to alvin by the way I, I know you got my back alvin doesn't hey uh oh by the way matt uh at three colts handicap correct on the at twitter colts handicap yep that's that's correct if you want to follow me i pick more losers than winners but we do our best <laughs> just like like our other guest tyler tyler where can the good people find you they can find me at Ty Hoffman six. That's T Y H O F F M A N, the number six. I think the Stucast has quadrupled your followers from, uh, you know, two to eight. So congratulations um, on that bump. We'll, we'll see. It. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. I've got a ringer coming in. Okay, I got a ringer coming in for the Preakness. So you better you better start studying. Get the magnifying glass out. Okay. Can I borrow yours? <laughs> I hate you. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. After these words, PTF with the Turf Classic. All right, folks, we're almost at the end. Uh, but before we get there, we've got the uh, Old Forester Turf Classic. I've got a whole bottle behind me that is probably not going to make it to Saturday at this pace. Uh, and, and to go over this race, I picked a, a phenomenal dude. You know him. He's one of the faces that runs the place at In The Money Media. He's honestly, it's incredible. He's broadcasting from 1873 painting of British uh, aristocrats, fox hunting. It's incredible. Peter Thomas Fornertel, PTF, brother, how are Thank you? Thank you. Thank you, my friend. So good to be here with you. I think this is a really cool race and, and really one of the, the funner ones uh, of the weekend. So honored to be here with you to chat about it. Always, brother. Bef before we get into the race, dude, uh, we were talking a little bit in the nicest way possible. I said you look you look tired, but, but it's because you guys are pumping out so much content and it's such good content. We got the final answers podcast. 
just dropped a couple hours ago. I saw it pop up and, and that's something I got to listen to. Always great information. What do you got going on at ITM? Well, the Final Answers podcast is the big one right now. We did it for the first time as a live show last night at Malone's Prime right here in Lexington, Kentucky, where I'm coming to you from. And it was just fantastic. We had 90 folks there, uh, paid tickets with a charity component. So making some money for the TRF, like this, my shirt I've got on here. The uh, I won, so some- did they. Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool shirt, man. When, one day when I hit a big pick six, uh, I, I'm buying the shirt. That's the idea. Go, you know, in the money slash old smoke to see all our, uh, all our shirt options over there. But here's was the most gratifying thing about the final answer show by accident. We ended up going head to head with the live stream of our old employer. And uh, we had twice as many views as they did. So how about that? Oof, oof, <laughs> oof. You know, I, I, I hope Jay Privman's not listening. I doubt he is. <laughs> not his fault we, no <laughs> no good folks over there and watch that in the replay i mean they have great talent but i'm just saying it was an accident to go head to head with them and then i was like oh well we'll, we'll you know this will eat into our numbers and then we'll we'll make it up on on demand and then you know for whatever reason probably the work that our team is doing over making our youtube channel a thing well, we were able to really get that show rock and roll and we had i mean michelle you flew in from california just to host um so there were two people um Taking the Mickey she's, out of Kinshaw. She's the whole phenomenal. Time. Oh, she's it, great. So sharp, brings a, a horseman perspective as well as knowing how to handicap on on the paper. And, and she's salty. Funny. She she's yes. funny. She's salty. It's it's really good stuff. Yeah, we, we want to be doing. You know, obviously we've got working with her on the owners box now. We want to be doing more and more. But you know, there's too much to list. Um, <laughs> if you're coming late, and you, you, it depends on what you want. If you want derby, derby deep dive stuff, you can still check out the Monster Pod. I mean, that is, you know, you're almost running out of time because that sucker's three and a half hours long. But we did make it where you can easily find the different horses. I feel like the final answer shows probably the happy medium, forty-five minutes to an hour, going through all the stakes, deep dive derby and oaks, and then um, the other thing I'd say is our let loose shows that we do with our. Uh, uh, you know, our, one of our ADW partners and you're going to be able to find those. And that's going to be me and JK pretty succinctly. Those are going to be like 10, 15 minute hits. So if you're more of a sports do cast sports fan, but you want, you know, more uh, on the Derby um, ch- check that one out. So lots of, lots of different options in the moneypodcast.com, the best place to check it all out. Yeah. And the subscription, you left that out. It, there's, there's another tier there. And I know you guys are rocking and rolling on that tier you're giving out some free money uh great stuff there in the money media podcast.com is the in the in money the, just players podcast no it's just it's just actually in the money podcast.com slash okay. to learn more about that we're having a ton of fun but the idea is we're still we're actually doing more free content than ever but the plus service is cool you get little digests of the picks that are given out on all the free shows and then you get extra stuff, right? So nobody's covering the early pick five Oaks and Derby day, except we are. So if you want that, if you want actionable stats info from Matt Bagvolgi, we've got that in there. We've got our speed figure heat map for the Kentucky Derby, all this extra content that's just going to help you a little bit in your, in your gambling. And I mean, it's not, we probably, this is funny, but you know, I'm tired and, and we're being honest. So we probably price this thing like crazy too low compared <laughs> to a lot of what all else is out there. Yeah. You know, it's 10 bucks a month. You, you can pay 10 bucks and get all our derby stuff all the way through our preakness stuff. 
I'm, you know, for a hundred a year, you get it every week. And there's a lot of stuff. And I'm extraordinarily proud that we had, you know, of the more than 300 people who've signed up for subscription so far, we, we've only had one person who canceled after a month. Everybody else has kept it. And, and I'm pretty sure the one person who, who canceled lives in his mom's basement. So I'm feeling very good about the, the work we've mean, done over it in the month. Mean things to say about Tyler Hoffman. Well, probably true. <laughs> probably true. Uh, it, it, before, and again, it, getting away from horse racing, something I'm super excited about. You've got the book of Jericho, 30 years of crashes, smashes, and something else. I forget. Hits, 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 hits. hits. Uh, That book's coming out. The list of Jericho. The list list of of Jericho. Yeah, if you're searching for it, and you can find it over. We want you to buy uh, directly from us, if you don't mind. Jericho30.com. This book, if you are any kind of wrestling fan you don't have to watch aew every week you don't even have to have ever seen aew but if you like wrestling at all if you watched wrestling during the late 90s early 2000s this book it's just an amazing document because chris has chronicled in a handwritten journal every match he's ever worked in his 30 years in the business so we took that we added a bunch of great photos a bunch of great contributions from folks he's worked with over the years as well as his own personal annotations and it's really an object and a, and a one-of-a-kind sports information book. Um, people are loving it, and I'm really proud of it, and I'm super happy that, you know, to be working with Chris for these last 15 years now. Um, he's a friend and a, and a great guy and just a, a charismatic character who, again, if you have any affinity whatsoever for professional wrestling, you're going to love um, the list of Jericho. Check it out, Jericho30.com. I love Chris, the demo god. Next week, Blood and Guts, I cannot wait for the pinnacle and inner circle, nerding out a little bit, whatever. It's fine. Let's talk ponies. Let's talk ponies. Oh, shout out Alex Marvez. Love that dude. Oh, He's coming great. on soon. Awesome. Uh, let, let's talk some ponies, brother. Race 11, mile and an eighth on some green material. I think it's grass. I'm pretty sure it's not golf streams, so... We can we can make a strong judgment that this is actually in fact grass. Uh, it's a turf classic. We got some heavy hitters in here. Before I get to uh, you know the the real standout name in this division who's running in this race, I'd like to take a look a little bit at this pace. Smooth smooth like straight really figures that gonna have a lead i know master of foxhounds after your namesake probably could be up there as well but the seven here really looks to have uh a pace advantage and if we look at previous starts pretty fine with that pace advantage Uh, he's a great horse i mean i i'm very very impressed with smooth like straight and his body of work And I think what moves him up in this spot, as you say, is the fact that even if he's not out there alone on the lead, he's going to be able to get the trip that he wants to get, which is we've seen in his best races, him being able to to sit outside and stalk. And I I think that's like the worst case scenario here. I think he's going to be alone or he's going to be in that preferred position and, and he has to be taken seriously. The only thing that holds me back at all is, you know, for the guy who's always going on about how much I like, turf form shipping west this is turf form shipping east but because of the pace advantage because of my affinity for both jockey and rider 
He's a clear A for me, though I did not make him my top pick at the end of the day. All right. Uh, I wanted to look at a few others. You know, Chad's got a hand, shocking, a turf race. Um, it's not a five-horse race in New York, so certainly that's – <laughs> How about that Twitter? How about that little Twitter? If you if you haven't seen the Tom Morley uh, Chad Brown exchange, that is well worth. That is hot tea, as the kids say. Pete, I'll I'll chime in just for a second to say that I think they're, and I'm actually being sincere about this, not just political. I think that they're probably both right, but it's it's not, they both have fundamental points that are correct. But it's it's I'm staying out of it just to say that I'm picking Chad's side because he has a funnier Twitter. Uh, <laughs> he is a, a riot on Twitter, absolute yeah, riot. Yeah, and he doesn't get kicked off like Swift Hitter does, so that's why I give him the title. Uh, there's a few in here. Domestic spending, we're seeing coming back off a nice little layoff. You know, Chad does really well with these ones. It, ride, ride a comment. I took. I had to take a long look at Digital Age. You know, perennially uh, a money burner for me. It just depends on if you're going to catch uh, digital age on the, on the right, you know, day. There's quite a few cross-border even. Ivar, the Brazilian import uh, with Talamo up. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can go outside, you know, the big superstar who we'll get to. Is there any fancy to some of these outside runners uh, besides Colonel Lean? I didn't, I mean, it depends on what price you're, if, if you're including the Chads both as, you know, not uh, long shots, I, I, you know, I don't see, I don't see anybody making an impact um, that that's a big price on the, on the win end in here, unless you consider, um, unless you consider digital age in that category for me, digital age is the horse that I ended up picking on top. And it, it's, you know, I think I'm being pretty, literal about speed figures. And I'm, I'm just looking at that turf classic race from last year and, and thinking if he runs that back, they're all running for second. I think within the barn, it feels like the vibes are more positive for domestic spending than they are for digital age, but I don't mind that at all. We know that, you know, connections, they don't always, they don't always get it right. And people watching workouts don't always get it right. Uh, I really think digital age, his best race to me wins this and I feel like the eight to one is too big in the, on the on the line at the show last night you know there was an interesting cases made uh for, for some of the longer runners but but for me I, I think it's pretty straightforward and, and I really like digital age I really like smooth like straight and I really like Colonel Liam I I put Colonel Liam third in my picks but I mean this horse finishes like a grade one turf horse every time he's done so well this season I guess the other thing, the things that held me back are I think he's going to be very short, and I think that he's been very busy this year. While these Chad horses have been lying in wait, and the idea that um, they may come back to the races fully formed and be a little bit better than Colonel Liam and what he's been beating this winter in in Gulfstream and Fairgrounds, you know that's that's completely reasonable. If Colonel Liam was really three to one, he'd be very tempted to make a top pick, but I think he'll be shorter than that. Um, but those are the three that I really want in here. And then I've heard so much positive about domestic spending that I, I, I will uh, find a way to have involved a little bit as a backup. Thinking this is a race um, that the, the Oaks Woodford Derby pick three feels like an interesting spot. 
to mess around with these runners. I don't think I'm picking up much equity in this leg since I'm basically just giving you all the favorites, but I still, I, honestly, I'm almost more excited about it from a sports point of view than a wagering point of view. But I do think of the ones we talked about digital age has an opportunity to offer some pretty good, pretty good value on a figure horse. I like it, man. I, you know, one last question on this one, Colonel Liam really the class of this division up to this point with a win here, you think Colonel Liam just cements that. And we next, is this the last time we might get a decent price? It's hard to know. I mean, I, Todd Pletcher, I think of him, it, it feels unusual that he, he's going to have this runner with four runs by the first Saturday in May. So even if he wins, like, I, I mean, if he wins here, I'll be super impressed because the other problem with Colonel Liam that I didn't mention is I, you know, I don't think he's going to get his preferred. Uh, I think he wants to probably come from, from a little bit further back though. You look at the last two runs, he was only three off early. So maybe yeah. I'm overblown that, but Colonel Liam to me, I just, I don't know. It's very hard to keep one together with modern training methods from um, December 26th all the way through the Breeders' Cup. So he might, who knows, he might get a break after this and then come back um, Saratoga Breeders' Cup type campaign. I just don't know. I don't know what the plan is, but I don't think even if Chad Brown doesn't get Colonel Liam today, I I wouldn't put out uh, the possibility of him finding a way to have an impact on the top of this decision, uh, win or lose on Saturday. Beautiful stuff, PTF. Uh, I know you you got to get ready. You've got to try out for uh, a, the Newsies play coming to Lexington. They're very excited about that. I, I, I know you've been watching the movie. You can sing, you can dance, you can sell newspapers. It's beautiful stuff. Where can people find out if you got the part and more of your musings? We'll, we'll be talking about that for sure over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Other stuff to plug for me. At the races.com, I've got runner by runner write ups of all the Oaks and Derby horses. And I will say this I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering it correctly in the Newsy show, that the heroes are the kids from Brooklyn. Vaguely. It depends. It depends on how you watch that. <laughs> I think it depends on if you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot to it. Newsies is a very, very contrasting show. Plot lines, plot. We're not. It would. This isn't a newsies podcast, but <laughs> that'll be the next. The next Alan uh, Studer podcast. Is yeah, like a deep dive on newsies. <laughs> With PTF at looms boldly, folks. Uh, thank you, PTF. Go check out in the money media. You're gonna hear more from these guys coming up, especially with this show. We love having everybody from your network on. They're great folks. Uh, even Spencer. Uh, <laughs> We'll be back with Paul Matisse right after this. Uh, Stay tuned. Hello, Derby fans. This is Tom Gallo with Dream Maker Racing, proud sponsor of the Stewcast. Have you ever dreamed of getting your picture taken in the winter circle at racetracks like Saratoga and Belmont Park? Let us get you there through our incredible racehorse partnerships that have been built on years of experience in the industry. Dreammaker Racing is the premier partnership in New York, running New York Reds in the state of New York. From our on-site hospitality, excellent owner communication, and overall incredible experience, we have been able to serve people from all over the world 
for nearly two decades and get them crazy about horse racing. Stop by our website today, dreammakerracing.com, for more information. We can make your racing dreams come true. Now back to the show. All right, folks, uh, we're here. We're at the end of the show. It's been a great week of guests from Mike Maloney, Andy Serling, uh, Craig Mokowski. The list goes on and on. A fantastic week. Thank you to everyone. We've made it this far. And I, in some ways, I've saved the best for last. He is the excellence of execution. He's considered the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be especially within his own family when it comes to handicapping from the first family of handicapping, the great Paul Matisse, Paul, uh, honored to have you on any time, day or night, rain or shine. It's, it's always great to talk to you, brother. I can't live up to that introduction. There's my, my own family wouldn't, wouldn't agree with that one. It would be fights about over that. And Duke's been going way better than me lately. So. While you still bench press more than Duke, you heard it here first. <laughs> that's that's just true. You bench press more and you have faster <laughs> 40 times. So we're just going to leave it at that. How's, Duke, Duke's uh, actually going to the Derby. He's he's on his he's I on his way that, there right now. I think I heard that with uh, maybe he might have said that to uh, PTF uh, a week or two ago. But I remember him saying that. You, for you, not, I assume you're not going this week. Is it kind of easier for you to just kind of take it in and, and be more dialed in? Yeah, I, I, I'm not as good as him when in like in the group settings, especially not like I used to be. I, I've gotten used to being home and under your own, you, you know, your own uh, environment with your own cave and stuff. You know, I, I guess I could do it, but this derby, you know, the, the other thing that's, that's wild about the this Derby week. All these tracks are running now. You know, yeah. everybody wants to run on Derby the day before. You know, Finger Lakes started this week. Mountaineers running right now. You know, a lot of tracks that, uh, and I and I got to do figures everywhere, and and I try to keep keep up on on everything. So that's really tough for me when I if you yeah. go if you get out of the to get out of the pocket when when everything else is running. You know, and the other thing about it is it's springtime. We're so used to like the same schedule all winter long. And now all of a sudden it's like free for all, you know, like the, all the tracks like Oakland and, and Gulfstream and, you know, like the Tampa Bay, it's like totally different. Now the summer becomes a, a new, new thing, you know, it, yeah, which I'm looking forward wild. to. Yeah. 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 Hopefully we get there sooner than later. Belmont opening up. I can't wait to right. hear what Saratoga's guidelines are going to be. I know you're going to be keenly interested in that. Um, Paul, this, this Derby, it, it's, it's like, you've already said, it's, it's different. Boy, is it different from a race perspective to me? Because, uh, you know, going through this in the prep, uh, you know, finally sitting down and okay, I'm going to watch some races. I'm going to watch some tape. I'm going to read some notes that I've had. And I, I don't know. I'm, am I, am I alone in thinking this is, this is very wide open. You either either get real tight or it's very wide. Well, I guess it depends on your perspective because it's like if you go past the top few and you and you don't and you're against them, then it becomes wide open. You know, um, I'm not there really. I, I kind of think it's going to be 
more formful mm-hmm. than than that. I don't I don't really uh, I don't really like the uh, the long shot version. I think they're they're a, they're a cut below, but I can understand if you if you're against some of these favorites, it really becomes a, a wide open uh, wide open. I, you know the whole thing with the points and the way that we do this now with the playoffs. Even though it's funny, if somebody was smart about it, I don't think you need the points. Yeah. You know, I've always said if I prep, I'd prep in a race, like I wouldn't prep in the big preps if it was my horses. I, I kind of like would pick like a, the General George at Laurel or something, you know, <laughs> get the points ahead of time, get an easy race in, you know, because you don't, you never need this. You never need that hundred at the end or whatever they sure. give you, you know, but since they've gone to the points, it's really become a different race. You know, it's got the history and everything, but there's just no pace wild cards, no like throw-ins, no fillies. You know, it's a totally different, uh, you know, animal than it had been in the past. And I think it works both, both ways. It becomes more consistent in some ways because all the horses have run against each other. It's almost like playoff here, playoff there. And, you got to guess and see if you're for or against the horse in those races. And it, it's like what you come down to. If you're, if you're for the winners, it becomes simple. If you're against the winners, then it becomes wide open, you know? Yeah. And, the, and the other bad part is that because it's playoffs, you, a lot of these horses have run once or twice in the year. So you really are guessing almost, you know, like you, you can't get to a point and say, Oh, I, you know, like Smarty Jones, you know, the year that Smarty Jones ran, or even Funny Side, which is not that long ago, you know, you got to the Derby, and and I was confident, you know, I knew that the that Wood Memorial, the year that Funny Side and Empire Maker, they were the best two horses, you know, in all the the lead-ins because they had run enough, mm-hmm. you know, Funny Side or uh, Smarty Jones, you know, he he had run five six times in a row, you know, he, you kind of knew. Nowadays, you don't even get that. You they don't even get to where you. Somebody runs in all the same races at the same track. You know, nobody sweeps the Gulfstream races, you know. Shug tried to do it this year, and he didn't make it. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, it, it's weird. They don't sweep at Santa Anita really anymore. It's, a, you know, it becomes the Santa Anita Derby, and you're, you're guessing. So, um, I, so again, I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just makes it different, you know, because of the whole way it works. I'll ask you a question that uh, you would know this best. What's the most impressive preparation you've seen coming into this? What's the least impressive? Well, you know, uh, the horse who didn't make it there was probably the the most talented horse. That life is good. Yeah. You know, the race that he that he won. Um, I know my brother Duke didn't think he would make it a mile and a quarter. I wasn't really. I didn't really have the same feelings him with that he was so good i think probably didn't wouldn't wouldn't have mattered um as far as the preps you know i I don't know if i would rank them at all all the preps going in obviously the wood wood memorial would probably be the one that universally everybody would think was probably the worst prep out of all of them though there is some interesting horses in that race maybe down the road you know not necessarily that could win the the derby but maybe something that could could actually sneak into it or horses for later on out of the mm-hmm. wood because it was an interesting race but as far as uh, you know ability wise I, I would probably rank that one the lowest the interesting thing that i have is 
I don't have the Santa Anita Derby anywhere near as good as other people. But figure-wise, opinion-wise, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, the history of the, the recent history of the Santa Anita Derby being good, um, they're just going along those lines, you know, that it's, it's, it's the same old, same old. We've got to expect the horses from California to be better. And if you really analyze it, those, those races, you know, you take life as good out of the, out of the mix in California, and it's kind of a suspect group of horses, you know. I know Hot Rod Charlie did ship to win at fairgrounds, which would probably be the argument against what I'm saying. But a lot of those other Baffert horses that shipped didn't, didn't do as well. And I don't know. I'm just not sold on it. You know, like, I, I think a lot of people guy, are just saying it's, 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 it's the, the buyer's got it the fastest race yeah. and it's the best race. And, that, and that's, that's what everybody's going with. And, and I, I'm not really sold on that. You're, you're a guy that would be tuned in on this. Now, I've, I've heard two schools of thought. Andy was on earlier this week talking about how he thought, you know, Medina Spirit really, really got the, the short end of the stick and maybe the inside was good that day. I, I know uh, Tyler Hoffman has espoused that Rock Your World, had a monster gallop out, good bias or not, that horse wanted to run all day. Um, where do you, between the two, if, if you were going to give a key to one or over the other, which one would you fancy more? Well, you know, the thing about it is I actually think both of them are going to be over bet. So I'm <laughs> yeah, kind of against both. True. I'm against both of them kind of, you know, because I think Rock Your World is a, would be an interesting horse if he was 15 to one, <laughs> you know, he'd be an interesting horse, but one dirt race and, and one win. But when we're talking about clearly second favorite, he's going to be. And he's even getting so much hype that I think he even might even take, I mean, more money into essential quality than I thought he would even begin with. I just think it's a bad, it's a bad play to take a horse who got, he was definitely with the track and, you know, he got loose on the lead and his one dirt race. And now you're expected to, that he's going to win the Derby off one race. Yeah. Um, that, like I said, that I'm not sold on was all that, it's not like he ran like life is good and ran hundred, you know, 120 buyer figure or 110 buyer figure, you know, um, he's just in the mix, you know, he's just in the mix. So those type of horses to me are, are, are bet against, um, in, in regular and in everyday race and in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it, I, if this race was, wasn't the Kentucky Derby, I'd be against a horse like him, you know, just at odds wise, you know, now with that being said, he's probably got the most upside. Of, of anybody if somebody was going to go and dominate this race you know afterwards and, and say what wow you know and he moves forward off that race or something like that you know it's like we were talking about before you don't know where you are a lot off one race yeah you know it's not like it's not like we've got there you know a, a solid opinion on it. I feel, but I, I feel without like the solid I'm doing more guessing this year yeah i mean that you yeah are without right a doubt without a doubt it's a guess and and to me if you're guessing you don't want to take short odds yeah, you know, or shorter odds than you than you should be, and I think so, that's the case with with the uh, Rock Your World. Now, Medina Spirit, I do agree with Andy that that he got the worst of it in the race. However, I've got a, I've had a feeling about Medina Spirit pretty much in all of his races that I don't think he really wants a mile and a quarter. 
And I know that's a kind of a weird thing because everybody expects Baffert that they're all going to make it a mile and a quarter in the way he trains. And, but I've, I had that feeling before about him. And then watching that, watching the Santa Anita Derby, even though he was compromised slightly in the, in the race, I don't think he was a big against or anything like that. He was compromised slightly. I still didn't think kind of what I thought ahead of time. I'm not sure he's going to make it a mile and a quarter, and especially make it in a mile and a quarter in the pace, in a, in a hot pace. Uh, I'm not sold on that. So again, and I don't believe, I think when, it, when the, when the money comes in, Baffert's going to take money. I think, you know, everybody thinks he's, this is going to be a horse that's going to sneak through the radar and nobody's going to play him. Uh, I'm not buying that. I think when, you know, the, a lot of the everyday players or the, you know, the Derby people are going to go with the Baffert success and say, I'm getting a Baffert horse at 12 to one morning line, you know? So I think he'll be lower than his morning line than, than over it. Most assuredly. Now, yeah. now we've talked about some unknowns here. I think the one known we, we have seen is essential quality is a very talented horse, versatile, uh, deserving of, of being the morning line favorite. Is that value or are you looking elsewhere to try and beat? I know Mike Maloney said, hey, essential quality is a great key horse if you're playing the verticals. Are, where do you lean on this essential quality thought? And is there another horse that, that is going to end up being heavily considered on your tickets? Well, I kind of agree with Mike in the fact that essential quality is the horse that, that's the most reliable. You kind of know what you're getting and it's hard to knock them. I, you know, I know that a lot of people uh, have, I don't think it's really justified anything that I've heard that's against them. I mean, yes, he got, he stalked kind of a slow pace, but he ran down a good horse last time in highly motivational who got an easy lead and finished up fast enough. I mean, he's a, a little bit suspect at a mile and a quarter himself. To me, if there was any knock on him, that would be it. But, um, I'm, you know, he's a weird he's a weird horse because I think if somebody else trained him or if there was something different about him, there would be a lot of buzz about him as being a super horse and and um, you know a triple a possible triple crown winner. You know, if Baffert trained essential quality, he might be six to five, even money in this race. And that's weird because I'm not, that's not a knock against Brad Cox at all. And anybody who's paid attention to racing knows that that's not, it's got nothing to do with the trainer. It's just sure. the perception, you know, it's a, it's a weird perception that the two-year-old undefeated champion, you know, who's proven everything that he can do. He's, he's two preps. He's won at two different tracks. One him pretty, you know, you know, both races were pretty good. You can't really knock either one of them. You know, he was impressive enough in both. So that's one of the things that when I, when you were talking about the wide openness of it, I'm not against him. So that narrows my range down of the race quite a bit because I think somebody's going to have to improve to beat him or, you know, or run a run a race that they've run last time that in a, in a, in a type of race that kind of falls apart or something. And he, and they, and, but even in that scenario, essential qualities in it somewhere, yeah. you know, so um, so I'm kind of forced not to go wide if, you know, kind of like what Mike Maloney was saying that if you're, 
if you're on essential quality, you really can't go and say, uh, this is a wide open thing. And I'm going to use seven horses in the, in, you know, in the uh, horizontals and, inc sure. and include him. You really got to narrow your. And also, I think if you believe that he is the horse to beat and he hasn't done anything wrong, it kind of starts saying, all right, which, which horse in this race is going to be able to run the, the two races that he's run, you know, in this last two races? There's a lot of them on this page, you know, when I'm looking through it and say, I don't see that race. Now, it is May. It's three-year-old year of their, you know, horses can improve out of nowhere. But they don't happen, they don't happen as much as everybody thinks. They happen once in a while and you know, if you catch lightning and, and you got a reason why someone might improve, I would say, okay. But to, to start spreading around and saying, well, this one might win or that one might win because of, you know, because they're going to improve now. That's a, I, that's a losing proposition long-term betting wise. You know, uh, I know there's always value in the Derby sometimes, but you know what, in, in a way there's not, you know, I, I looked at, you know, Tony Zao, Zao had the, uh, had on Twitter the other day, he had like yeah. a, an, an odds thing. I mean, it was very striking how little value there was on his real line odds versus the morning line, you know? And I, I think that's telling to, to stay for anybody who's like hunting long shots without, without a real reason. You know, I think, I think that's dangerous, you know, especially, well, if, unless you're against essential quality. If, if you got an opinion, out there that that differs from mine and say, you know, I don't like the way he finished up. He stalked a slow pace last time. I don't think that highly motivational is that good. You have some something like that. You think that Brad Cox isn't going to do good in the Derby. He won't, his, his, his form won't translate. He hasn't worked the greatest. So I guess you could have a little argument on that. I mean, those would be the, the, I think you're reaching in my own personal opinion, but if you did have that feeling, then, then it becomes a different race. You know, then you can start, you can start spreading more and, and then the value starts coming in, but I'm not there. So, so I got to be tighter in my opinions. So to wrap it up, essential qualities there. It, what other horse or two, when we get to this famous Matisse pick six, the Kings of the pick six, when we get to that that last leg, the get home leg, um, we're going to see essential quality. Are we going to see anybody else on that ticket? Well, I definitely like Mandaloon, and okay. I, you know, I, I did a podcast before. And the funny part is, I've spent about since I did that podcast with uh, Pete on uh, in the money. Yeah, the monster, monster, the monster Derby. thing, which I yep. just, I just picked the horse kind of. Uh, because I thought it was an interesting one to talk about. Not really, hadn't done any handicapping on. But so since then, I kind of had it in my mind. I'm not going to bet that horse. I don't like that horse. I want to, you know, pick something else. And the funny part was I had an epiphany last night. I'm forcing against him. I, I, every time I looked at something else, I came back to Mandaloon. I, 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 the more I looked at the race, the more I liked it. You know, I think... The one thing that you got to do sometimes handicap and, 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 you know, you, you probably know this a little bit because you talk about my father and listen to him somewhat. He likes to talk about logic and handicapping, you know, and you got to think about the logic of, 
Brad Cox and Judd Mott running this horse in this race. Brad Cox has the favorite. So he's a no, he's got the, he's got the undefeated favorite. He's not searching to run another horse in this race. Yeah. And then Judd Mott Farm, they're not a bunch of guys who are going to go to the Derby and just have a good time and want to have a horse in the race. That's not their perspective at all. They've won every race in the world. They, this horse here is worth millions of dollars already. So that's not going to be their, their strategy. And then you compound that with a horse who did not run very well last time. And it's an easy out from that point for them, for them to say, we're not going to run in the Derby. You're not going to get any argument from the trainer. You're not going to get any argument for the owner. Instead, what they did, I mean, they, you got, you're talking about a, a, an ownership that, that can spare no expense. So you, you got to know that they went over that horse completely with nuclear scans, blood work. They wanted to know what was wrong, right? And what they, whatever they found, they decided that they're going to put him and work him out. And he's worked better. I, I've heard the stuff that he always was a good worker. He wasn't as good a worker as he's been working now. He didn't beat Bonnie South there, just driller in a workout before, before the Louisiana Derby. So whatever they found when they went over is corrected. You know, they have, they have got it fixed. And they're not running just to be there. And, and, and if you have any doubts, just watch any of his workouts. You know, he's back better than he was before which leads me to believe they did find something when they went over him. You know, and you got to, you got to put yourself in that position. So I got to believe that they're fairly confident. He's going to run as good as he possibly can run. Now, the question is, is he good enough to beat essential quality? Is he, is he good enough to win the Kentucky Derby there? You, you know, but you might get some value. So at that, absolutely. Point, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what betting is about. And that's what handicapping sometimes is about, you, you know, you want to put yourself in positive ROI situations, you know, and to me, this is very, very positive. You know, the fact that they're running in the way he's working. So the more I, the more I think about it, the more I handicap, the more I think he's the, uh, like the wild card horse. I love it. Paul, uh, I can't let you go. Is there a horse on Saturday that is at all interesting to you? that you may you feel kind enough you're you're jovial enough to give out to all the stewcast listeners uh and and help us jump on the matisse bandwagon i got a weird one that i really really like and it's uh it's in a it's in a wide open race too so and it's right in the middle of all these gimmicks so it could be a good one the uh the churchill down seven furlong sprint race which has got which is a great race it's got flagstaff and whitmore and you know, a bunch of these uh, horses that have run in all these stakes races, you know, right along. But I like a horse endorsed who, uh, who is, people will probably know, and he's disappointed at, sometimes in his career. But he put blinkers on last time, and I got a huge figure. I think he was against the track a little bit. And, and his last start with the blinkers. And... He cut back the seven frongs and doing it, which might be the thing that he wanted to do all along with blinkers. And I've never thought the horse liked the inside. He did it from post one. He draws outside in the Churchill race. Now, Fat Man, who beat him in the race, that ran the big figure, 
is in the race, but Fat Man has not run good without laces. And that's something we didn't talk about, Stu, that nobody's talking about in these handicapped in these big stake races. But you better be aware of the Lasix on and off. To ignore it, you're making a mistake. Of course, yes. there's some horses that are running. Now, form is held up okay, but to, to blindly say that the, same, the horses are going to run the same uh, is a mistake. So you, you get the fast race, but you get the horse who ran second, which is a really interesting idea for me. And I think he's even going to improve. And I don't really care that much about the Lasix with him because it's Bill Mott, and I don't think it's a horse that was bleeding in the past anyway. He's, he's a cutback you know, type of horse. I think it's a, it's, it's a perfect situation. Well, Paul, I uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on. You're spreading. Some I'm sorry knowledge. if I was long-winded today. No, I've... you're good. You're good, man. Uh, I appreciate I know you're on time. <laughs> no, no, you're. You, hey, Paul Matisse is always money. Swift hitter agrees. I know Tyler Hoffman. He's a lousy, lousy handicapper. He he he. Did you see him win Santa Anita? His dad did it. He's just riding his dad's coattails. It's unbelievable. Uh, Paul, thank you. I just had dinner with your brother, actually, Paul, about a month ago. Oh, really? At, mm -hmm. Out at Santa Anita? Congratulations, too, on the last last weekend. Thank you. I appreciate it. This guy really name drops. This you guy name drops. Forever, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Paul, thank you. Thank you to all our guests. Thank you for checking out the, the Monster. I don't even know what we're calling this anymore. Thank you to our sponsors, Dreammaker Racing. Folks, we'll see you. Good luck. Cash some tickets next week. Greg Campy, Jim Root, college basketball. Let's go talk about shooting hoops. I don't know. Until then, see ya.